Her face. It's all I see. She looks at me. Expecting something. Wanting something. Drop it. Duncan and both come correct. We were going to see Jojo Rabbit mm-hmm. Monday night. And on the way to the movie, which was about uh, seven, uh, a little before 8 p.m. our time, a little before, you know, 20 o'clock or whatever the fuck you call it in Europe. <laughs> 20 o'clock. <laughs> 8 o'clock. <but laughs> it's like... Whatever. <laughs> Fucking New Zealanders. And... So we, the weather had it, it had started on my way home, but by the time I was picking uh, picking my lady friend up, it was getting kind of bad to the point where like I was starting to slide on the road, mm-hmm. and rather than just be like ah fuck it it'll be fine, we did the adult thing, which I've never felt older than saying you know what the weather's getting a little too bad, I should probably take you home and we'll skip the movie tonight. Um, but that's what we did. We, it was it was kind of a bummer. But yeah, like it it sleeted for a while and then it snowed and uh, they didn't have school yesterday. I think they did today. So it kind of came and went. But it was like wow, we got a real winter storm and yeah, early it, it kind of kind of shocked me to see that. But yeah, my heating has just kicked on in my recording room and it's like a very old fashioned radiator, so um, it's clicking at the moment. So if you or the listeners hear a metal clicking noise in the background that's not pipes from Ghostwatch. <laughs> it's actually just my radiator. Oh, I'm assuming it's not pipes. Um, it's the it's the radiator coming on, and it will make the occasional click in the background. So, yeah. It's either a very slow metronome, uh, a haunted pipe uh, from a demon from a 90s full, full TV show, or it's just Duncan's shit heating kicking in, which is sadly the third and not as exciting as the first two. Got it. All right. Well, I, I, I assumed you were gaslighting the audience <laughs> and me along with them, but it's good to know that it's just uh, your home being a death trap. Yeah, um, it's just being a, an absolute cunt. cunt. <laughs> my, my house is a cunt. Pretty much. That is much. that is the most Scottish thing I've ever heard. Yeah, um, it's also my new guide to buying a house. Uh, yeah, out next year. <laughs> yeah, the house is a cunt. <laughs> and you know what that means in Scotland? It can mean either a good thing or a bad thing. Yeah. So. How to punch your house in the wee face? <laughs> Once again, slightly kind of leaning towards Willie. Uh, <laughs> Just, just a little bit too much. I it's, hate it. I don't. Um, it so. all sounds the same to me. But I'm tone deaf. So, <laughs> uh, anyway, Duncan, here we are—the start of a new season. Mm. This one called Duncan and Bo get terrified. Yes, I am ready to be terrified. Yes, because we are talking about the terror infamy. Now, the terror—just plain old the terror, regular schmegular the terror. <laughs> Sure, that's how Ridley Scott wanted to refer to yeah. Schmegular. Regular um, Schmegular the Terror <laughs> was uh, a show that I thought uh, was maybe one of the best things to happen last year. It would have been the best show I'd seen all year long, but then Haunting of Hill House came along. Mm-hmm. And it was like, well, that's kind of better, but, you know, not much. 
Um, and so yeah, I think we like because you told me to check it because I, rem- I remember seeing the trailer for it and being like, "This looks really interesting," and it's got some interesting names attached to the project. And this is something that I will put on my list of things I should watch at some point. And then I think we might have been recording Westworld, and you were like, "No, no, no, don't! This is legit amazing." Uh, and I was like, "Yeah, Bo, but is it?" You were like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah! <laughs> you need to watch this." And I was like doable you were like you really do and so i sat and i watched it and i was like you know what every now and again bo is right it's like a broken clock twice a day he will be right all the rest of the time he is grossly wrong um and you were it was it's maybe the it's it's maybe the best thing amc has done tv wise yes i don't like the walking dead anymore um but certainly one of those things where i i can't think of many tv shows that i've just portrayed an atmosphere of lingering dread in such a way where just watching it, I felt uneasy from almost the beginning of that show right through to the end. It just never let up at all. Yeah, it's a show that gets better as it goes, and that Mm. last episode is mind-blowingly good and yeah. yet right and it's so rare that that happens where like a show is like this is really good oh wait this episode's better oh shit this one's even better yeah and- taking its t- it, it, it labored its time if you know what i mean really a strong influence uh on, on character development and the idea of i don't know where this is going at all like at any point i had no idea where it was going and not scared uh, to to just kill off characters <laughs> like at all. Just like, but yeah. out of nowhere, out of fucking nowhere. Just like you like this guy, but you like this. Guy. Well, you do it. He's dead. Yeah, it, I mean, it was brilliant, and it also had the benefit of like they knew where that show was ending and where everything was going. So mm-hmm. you know, when you got to the conclusion, it was the conclusion, and then they announced a second season. Yes, and it was like the fuck. But that, the first season is based on a book, isn't it? It is. It is. Right. And which I haven't read, but I have it. I bought it after I saw the show, and it's really long. And <laughs> I don't, I don't know if you know this about me, Duncan. I don't read so good. Um, <laughs> I just love this idea. You go with that. I'm going to read this book, and then it arrived, and you were like, "I'm not going to read this book." <laughs> it's not that. It's just I haven't, I haven't had the time to sit down and, dev- or I haven't devoted the time to it. You know, mm-hmm. and and to that end, like the terror was that rare show that came out weekly that yes. I was keeping up with weekly. You, yeah, you, this was your big point to me was like, cause I was like, ah, maybe like I'll, I'll just wait off and binge it. And you were like, no, 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 this is something. Cause it, I, if memory serves, you were watching it after recording our episodes. So yeah. whatever day we were recording Westworld, you're like, yep. And it's terror night. And I was like, I don't know if I could do that. You were like, no, 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 this is like, this is a show that I'm enjoying that I get my hour a week to sit down and watch. Um, and in a lot of respects, I didn't binge watch it either. I watched it over a week um like two episodes a, a night and i could see that because like you you felt like this is what i mean about being on edge by the time the the episodes finished i'm like you have to let out a sigh yeah it was just like it was very very like just just an incredible just an incredible show yeah. and like yourself when they said they were coming back for a season two i was like i don't know if we need this i'm just gonna put that out there and then they were like well the time period is post Pearl harbor and a Japanese internment camp, and I was like, I need this. <laughs> right. 
hey, w- <laughs> the terror is going to go all J-horror on your ass. Mm-hmm. And I was like, go on. <laughs> it was like, if only I knew someone that had a J-horror pod. Wait one second. Yeah. Or still. It, it, it's really funny because we had talked about doing it anyway. You know, it, like, hey, if they do a second season of this thing, we're going to cover it because oh, it's we'll so be there, good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and as the details of it came out and more and more uh, was learned about it, I think you and I both really sat up and took notice and thought, well, that's it's interesting for them to do that American Horror Story thing of like, we're just going to do a completely different storyline and it is going to be. Uh, like you said, it's going to be said, you know, in a post-World War uh, or post-Pearl Harbor, World War II era in America, which, Duncan, even before you saw the show, <laughs> you might have heard that maybe the Japanese weren't treated with gentleness and with compassion. Yeah, it's, 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 <laughs> this, is a, well, this is an awkward one, isn't it, really? <laughs> I love the fact that this is the time period they've decided to take because... Like you could argue, you could make the case, Bo, uh, that the, the Japanese weren't exactly nice to the Americans, but at the same time, you could then pivot that case to say the Americans weren't exactly nice to those people that had chose to become, uh, well, to live in America and plant their roots and, and do the things that America, as the shining bastion of freedom in the world, uh, kind of wants. You know, like, wanting people to travel and set up what this country's built on. And, um, yeah, it's a time period that's not really talked about all that much. And and the world that we live in just now, don't know if people know out there, but things are fractious out there, Bo. Don't know if you... you yeah, to say that there are parallels in this show and, you know, the, the state of affairs in the U.S. is... Yeah. You know, it's very clear. Like, uh, the show does... We'll get into it, all right? Well, we'll, uh, just fucking hold on, Duncan. (laughs) We'll get into our discussion of the terror uh, infamy here in a moment. Before we do that, though, Duncan, we'd like to do a little thing on this show. I don't know if you've listened. Uh, But what we do in the upfront... Me, yeah, <laughs> or is that the listeners? Yeah, though no, you, you personally, I don't know if I'm you ever. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, why would you? Um, <laughs> hey, uh, let me ask you this right here on the air, as uh, while we're talking about it, um, somebody, uh, Xavier, today had asked, "What is the very first collaboration of you and I?" And uh, like, like oh, factoring wow. in everything, and I'm, I'm reasonably sure. It is an episode of Devour the Podcast. I couldn't couldn't tell you which one, but that is my bet. I would say it's... Yeah, I think it it was... Yes, I spoke to you on Devour the Podcast, and then in quick succession, I had you on podcast under the stairs to talk about the body, which is... Oh, holy shit. That will be 20... 2013, December 2013, my Christmas special. You came on to to discuss a little movie called the. So I'd only been podcasting. Well, I'd only been horror podcasting since August, so I've been doing it for about four months or something. So I must have been on Devour the podcast. I cannot remember what I came on to discuss. I, with I you guys, right? I'm only saying this because that is where 
all logic leads to. Yeah, and <laughs> I, can't, I cannot remember I, what because I got the invite because like I was a people know out there massive fan of the Vera the podcast. Um, it's what kind of inspired me to go and do my own horror podcast. And of the people there, it was Jamie Jenkins at that time, now Jamie Salmons. Uh, me and her got quite chatty. She was a very strong influence on me setting up my, my own podcast. It helped me pick the name. Uh, was on the very first episode. And she introduced me to you online through that. And then we did a couple of things together. And then it was you that said, listen, I've got this idea for a a kind of format show of us pitching movies against each other, which ultimately became this within the first year of us knowing each other. So, um, yeah, <laughs> so it's, but I, I could not for the life of me, uh, if you had a gun to my head, tell you what the movie was that I came on and discussed on the of the podcast at all. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, at some point I may have to go back and look just to go back and look, but it, it yeah, but it was somewhere around there. I, but, but a while back at this point, and it's kind of interesting because I hadn't really thought about like what is the the origin story. Yeah, of twenty thirteen uh, would have been when we did that episode, and I'm sure twenty fourteen, late twenty fourteen, maybe kind of fall twenty fourteen is when Duncan and Bo Come Correct started. So yeah. it's you know, it's it's been going a while. <laughs> There are, yeah, I mean, we 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 definitely take our break between seasons, but we have done a shit ton of episodes. I have no idea how many episodes oh, God, yeah, we've the, done. Yeah. <laughs> the Twin Peaks thing alone right. That's what I was thinking. Yeah, yeah, because well, we did uh, a, a fair number of seasons of the original format. Oh, what is he, three? I thought it was four, but uh, I, I could be wrong, um, which we abandoned because I never won. You know, you won one season. You did win one season. Yeah, I think. Did I, you? Yeah, you won the last one. I think. Yeah. I think that that's why I think we only did three because I won two. You won one, and then we stopped. But uh, but then the push from the listeners themselves were, wouldn't it be fun if you started talking about TV shows? And that's kind of the orbit. I mean, we occasionally talk about movies, but um, I do enjoy chatting TV because I don't chat about it anywhere else. So, well, speaking of the movies we watched, Duncan. uh, that was a fun diversion and thanks for xavier for uh for asking the question because it was kind of a a fun little walk down memory lane just to Mm -hmm. be like oh yeah right that like there was a time where i just didn't know you yeah yeah it's it's hard to believe (laughs) you're like legitimately as it stands now maybe one of I maybe recorded more with you than any other podcaster. I mean, I can't imagine. I mean, even the stuff that you do with with the Boz and like Midnight Horror and all that stuff. I just feel like sheer hours. The roundtables alone, Duncan. Yeah, you add the roundtables <laughs> to this. Holy shit! Right, and it's <laughs> like it's one of those things that like when I die, you're gonna be the guy that has like the passwords to my shit. You know. <laughs> <laughs> and none of none of your close friends or family know who the fuck I am. <laughs> just this Scotsman just appears. Ah, yes, I am the password keeper. Right, <laughs> I'm the keymaster. <laughs> goes of the Gozerian, goes of the Destructor. <laughs> oh dear. Uh, oh, yeah, but we, yeah, we, we've got podcasts for days, you podcast for days. Yeah, uh, thanks for keeping it hit for the kids. Um, cool. So, 
<laughs> Fresh. Well, so what we're going to do, Duncan, is talk about what movies we've been seeing, good and bad. Um, you want to fire it up? I've got mine at the ready, so if you need a second, I'm ready to go. You go for it, sir, and we'll see if there's any overlap. Let me talk about my bad first, uh, which isn't the worst, but it's a real disappointment, and that is, of course, Zombieland Double Tap. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A not mo- as funny as I thought it was going to be. Yeah, it's it's not as funny. The story is less impactful. There's less heart to it all. It like everything about it feels like that bad multiplicity copy. Mm-hmm. You know, where it's like, yeah, I mean, this is Zombieland, right? <laughs> where you're like, yeah, this is Zombieland, but it's not. It ain't the good shit. You know, it it feels like. It feels like everybody's having a good time who's in the movie, and mm-hmm. the audience is left out of that good time a little bit, where it's like, this is all kind of dumb. Like All the Elvis shit is way too much, and I just yeah. didn't, I, I, you know, I didn't, like I said, didn't think it was terrible, uh, thought it was perfectly mediocre, which is a real letdown from how much I enjoy. In fact, I went back and watched part of the original Zombieland not long ago and was like, oh yeah, this is still really fun and has way more of a sense of like energy and urgency and it's fun getting to know these characters. And in this movie, it, it just felt like they didn't know what to do with them really. Um, you know, stuff happens. Like there's the stuff about like the relationship between Jesse Eisenberg and Emma Stone and you know, uh, Abigail Breslin wanting to leave the nest and all that stuff. And it's like, this should feel cooler. Like this should, this should matter more. Yeah. And, and it just never feels like it does. And I I think that's partially writing. I think it's partially the direction. It just never, there, there was never that sense of energy like the first one had. Yeah. But I think like the, the, I think the problem is that, You've got to remember, like, Zombieland 2009, and, like, I think the guys themselves have spoken about this. It predates the, not the influx of zombie movies, because they were already ramping up by then, but it predates the huge fatigue in in zombie movies in general. And there are a ton of kind of zombie horror comedies that have come out in between that. Like, I am only really watching it because I like the characters, and like you see, the characters look like they're having fun with it, but the I didn't think this. Considering who wrote the script, this is the the uh, Deadpool guys that did the script. I didn't think it was as biting or nearly as funny as the original. And I enjoyed some of the ideas. Some of the ideas are 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 surprisingly funny. I will say the kind of post credit sequence is maybe the best bit of the movie. And if you're saying that, um. That's not a good thing to be saying. You know, yeah, you know, like, I, I agree a thousand percent. I really felt like it, it, it was so backloaded with stuff that was actually interesting. Yeah. And yeah. A- anyway, like I said, not not the worst movie I ever saw, but uh, I don't I don't know that I'll ever see it again. <laughs> oh, I'll never watch it again. Yeah. Yeah. I've, just, uh, I've seen it. It was fun. They were talking about doing a third one. I'm like, if you must, <laughs> but I'm like not in any hurry. But then again, I wasn't in any hurry to see a Zombieland too. I thought, you know, enough time has passed that, you know, that kind of initial, I would really watch a sequel starts to diminish over time. Um, 
And it got to yeah, got to a point where I was like, yeah, I'll go and check it and see. I really like uh, the dead don't die as well, which mm. is not a popular opinion to have in 2019. It turns out like everyone else really hates that movie except me. Um, but I think I'd saw that movie and I was like, yeah, that's my zombie horror comedy for the year. I don't need any other ones. So yeah, Jim Jarmusch did it first, did it better. <laughs> um. So I'll t- I'll tell you what. Uh, what was your bad? What what was the sneaky so we spoke, thing you saw? Yeah, we spoke about this briefly before I started. It's not. It's a, it's not a good movie, right? But it's a movie that you have to see. <laughs> I'm like Zombieland too. Uh, you have to go and check out The Good Liar, um, <laughs> which is the new movie uh, directed by Bill Condon. So I I was trying to work back what he had actually done, but um, like you do you do a bit of is it Karate bit, Kid? Is that what Condon did? Like as any or any no? That's uh, that's Avildsen. Uh, what what the yeah. fuck did Bill Condon do? So Bill Condon weirdly started off as a writer mostly, like like his his back catalog of stuff is mostly in the writing, and then he transitioned over to doing things like two thousands two thousand and sixes. The Dream Girls, oh, right. and then the first two Twilight movies. <laughs> like, oh, and then Gods of Gods and Monsters, right? Yeah, yeah. He's like he's, he he jumped across and started doing like a lot of different things. He still does a bit of writing, but um, so this movie, so it's apparently is based on a a novel, um, which I've heard is not great either. Um, but what got me in was. The trailer looked really interesting. It looked like, kind of like this cat and mouse game between uh, a conman and his mark. Um, and the cast is Ian McKellen and Helen Mirren. All right, can't go and, wrong there. Well, I'm like, and to be honest, they're the reason you want to watch this movie. The two of them are chewing up the scenery like no business at all. But the story is not great. <laughs> It's, just, it's like every cliche, but done in a really ham-fisted sort of way. So, uh, McKellen is a con man um, with a with a darker side. He meets online Mirren's character and starts to make a play because he thinks she might be worth a little bit of money and finds out that she's actually worth two plus million. And but very quickly you start to realize that she seems to be on to him maybe quicker than he thinks she is. And that's as far as I'll go with it. The thing that I will tell you that you need to watch this movie for is about two thirds of the way through, they introduce a wicked whiplash of a kind of a character's past story. Um, and a way for you about that did this movie just become a different movie? Like, did they just change the channel? Oh, <laughs> like, like uh, kind of like the Eli thing of like, oh, th- this okay. isn't the movie I thought I was watching. Completely different thing. Yeah. And then like, they give you a little clip and I was like, right, out of con- I have no fucking clue what we're doing here. And then later on, they link back to it again in a, com- a way which I was like, if that was the setup to give me this reveal, that is not good. Um, but the two actors seem to be having a blast with it. It's not a great movie at all, but it is to- it is disposable cheese that I would recommend. Like I, I cannot wait till you watch it just so I can hear your opinions on it because it's just like 
there maybe was an interesting film in here, but no one had a clue how to do it. So yeah, it's, that's that's on my bad list, but totally watchable. Totally recommended to watch, but it's not good. All right, all right, I'm on board. Um, that sounds that sounds entertaining, if nothing else. <laughs> so, I uh, for my good one, Duncan. Um, I watched uh, a little a little movie I like to call Crawl. Finally. Yes, finally. Yeah, sorry it took me so long to catch up with it. Uh, one no reason. I, I didn't have anything against it. It was one of those things where I just missed it in the theater. And uh, so finally uh, caught up to it when it hit uh, home video here recently. And um, people had said it is a movie that knows what it is. Yes. And it is a surprisingly good version of the movie it is. Mm-hmm. And both of those things are absolutely true. Yes. Uh, I I had a great time with it. I think it is paced just right. That movie just trucks. Yeah. Um, it doesn't fuck around. Like once you once you get the initial setup of like, here are your characters, here are the relationships. Now immediately let's have some fun with alligators. Yeah. And alligators are uh chomping people they're spinning them around they're bouncing them off of stuff uh i'll tell you slight spoilers uh folks but i i think this might be a spoiler you want to hear um this movie has the the good taste duncan to introduce a lovable dog and not kill it yeah the the the, the way it toys with the emotions of the audience all the way through is is wicked genius because you know when you see that dog, you're like, oh, no. And then it plays it about two or three times in a way where you're like, oh, no. Right. Like, there's a couple of times I like when I was watching it, I was like, don't want my friends going, if they kill this fucking dog, <laughs> you know what I mean? If they kill this dog on screen right now, I will lose my shit. And it's like, nope, not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. And I'm not going to do it. So, yeah, well uh, played. Yeah, no, my... my <laughs> <laughs> it was the exact same reaction my girlfriend had, which was, if this movie kills this dog, then <laughs> I, I fuck this movie. You can turn it yeah. off. And, and it's Aja that is directing it. Aja is not the sort of director that is usually known for said restraint. <laughs> He's usually like, fuck the audience, make them suffer. So I was quite surprised at that. But then it's Sam Raimi that's behind the production, and that's totally a Sam Raimi device, so. Yeah, and that's kind of what I told her. Like, I, I was like, I fully expect this dog not to survive this movie, mm. but it will be an incredible show of class and restraint, <laughs> if, if that is the case. So, yeah. Um, but I, I, I was happy to see that that had happened. But yeah, I, I thought it ended great. I thought uh, there were a number of moments where it's just like, yeah, that's what I want to see of an alligator movie. That dude got chomped the fuck up it was great <laughs> i love that there's a there's a bit where they basically just recreate the the raptor scene from jurassic park in the long grass yes where characters are just like oh! <laughs> just like disappearing in the aisles of a flooded um a flooded store <laughs> yeah yeah no that scene was great uh there was that cop that just got snatched in a way that was real fun yeah um yeah there's there's a lot to like about Crawl. There's not a lot to say about it, strangely. But think, yeah, but I think that's what you want, isn't it? Like, considering, like, I've still to see it, but you saw that that uh, cage dive 
47 metres down or whatever it was. Um, and did you not just say, like, th- there was too many talking points from your point of view on it. Like, to me, if you're doing a movie like that, it has to be entertaining, it has to deliver. Um, and it doesn't really need to give you much more. I mean, even the kind of family dynamic of Crawl is in such a way where I'm like that, right? That is the most simple, basic sort of father and daughter are estranged because something happens. You know, like by the end, they're, you know, back reunited and love each other again. Fine, fine, tick, 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 done. Like, like, like you played exactly the playbook in a way which sometimes simplicity is more difficult to pull off than, you know, lynching complexity. Like sometimes being able to give you a movie where you know the beats of it as you're watching all the way right through and you can anticipate exactly how it's going to end. But have that end in a way which is satisfying is is incredibly difficult to pull off. And Crawl does it really fucking well. It, uh, once again, it, it shouldn't surprise you from the director it's from, even though he's been out in the, the, the woods for a little while now. But... Yeah, when I was watching it, I was like, this is just, this is exactly, you know how what made me feel like this is exactly what I wanted the Meg to feel like? Yes. And the Meg didn't deliver. Right, yeah. Th- this has a nasty streak in it that the Meg did not possess, and, and yeah. that's unfortunate. Um, yeah, yeah. A re- really fun movie. Uh, really good time. Um, I hope they don't make a crawl to. I would. I, I, I hope they. I hope they leave it alone. Just like don't try to turn this into a franchise. Just any time that Aja is like, I think I would like to see some animals kill each other. Uh, you <laughs> it's just. A it's a good Aja. Yeah, just give the give that man you know fifteen million dollars and be like, God bless. We'll let's see what you can do. Well, like like after this, and I hate to be the guy because I don't want to see it. But I was like, I really want to see Aja play in you know, playing some Evil Dead territory. Give him an Evil Dead movie. Sure. Yeah, yeah. Oh, absolutely. Um, you know, I'm for story reasons, I'm not the biggest fan of, of High Tension, but it's a super well-directed film, and yeah. it's a scary movie at times. And um, I'm the... I'm, I'm kind of like that with the Hills Have Eyes remake. Yeah. And I, I actually don't like the story of the Hills Have Eyes remake. I think they make some choices in the change which i mean it's modernized now but that movie is incredibly directed yeah yeah i agree with that um but yeah i mean we've talked about it on this show before um that you don't have to be wholly original like you can't be like there are very few movies that have that like charlie kaufman air of i've never seen a movie like this before yeah. you know yeah so the trick is can you play a cover song well? Yes, and yeah. <laughs> and and that's what Aja does here, and that, and kind of what he did with uh, Hills Have Eyes of like, yeah, you're you're familiar with all this, but I'm gonna do it in a way that's a little bit savage. It's a little bit a little bit darkly funny, and and just enough heart and just enough character that you feel uh, engaged with the movie and you're rooting for the characters and so forth. And, um, you know, yeah, I, I, I could have done without the, you know, I'm an apex predator. Like, all right, fine. Yeah. But, <laughs> but, but the rest of it I thought was just fine. And uh, like it, it, not overblown. It never gets saccharine about it or anything. It all, it all feels uh, just good enough to carry the premise. And, um, yeah, it was great. So what about uh, you, sir? 
So I originally wanted to lean into <clears throat> doing a little discussion on Doctor Sleep, but I'm assuming you've not seen that yet. I haven't. I'm kind of holding off because I've been working my way through the book and I'm almost done. And cool. So well, but uh, uh, go on, please, if you can. Well, I was going to say, well, I'll hold off on that until you have seen it and then we can have a bit of chat because... I'd, it really needs your money just now, Bo. <laughs> like, don't know if you know that. It's not performing particularly well. Um, so once you go and see it, you come back, we'll have a chat about it. But what I will do is, there's two things I want to say. First is that I saw Luz, L-U-Z. Right, the movie I had told you I enjoyed. Yes, and um, I thought it was fucking brilliant. Like, absolutely brilliant. It ticks so many boxes of what makes me excited about independent horror cinema uh just that feels like a stage play that someone has very well crafted into a movie and very much like yourself showed a transference of demonic possession in a way i'd never seen done before in camera and i was just like this is fucking loved it and but that's not the movie that i want to discuss i want to discuss a little a neo giallo movie called knife plus heart which I fucking love, and you need to see it, bro. You need to go and gotcha. watch it. It's it, it's on my list, and now it'll uh, it'll be on my short list. So yes, you need to. Um, it is a French. It's a French Spanish co production, um, and like I say, it's a neo giallo, so it has kind of shades of a uh, Sergio Martino, uh, Dario Argento, um. Basically, the movie premise is set in the seventies in France, um, and centers around a, a gay porn production trip, um, and essentially, the are at the central core. You have a woman who is the she's the director, she's the the head of the trip, and all the rest, and she's in love with the editor who. They've been in a relationship, but the, you know, she's far too into her alcohol and her drugs that um, her her girlfriend, who's editor's like, you know what? I don't want anything to do with this. You've lost your spark. You've lost your originality. And then some murders start happening in the background, and she starts ebbing interactions she has with police, etc., and her production of the porn, <laughs> um, which brings back her, you know, it, it brings back her creativity, but. Um, it very very quickly leans into our killer uh, picking off people involved with the trip, the the, the kind of gay porn trip. Um, it's fucking incredible. I, what, the only thing that kept going through my head when I was watching it is if you could double build this with a movie that you suggested way back in the day for Duncan and Bo come correct, um, a little movie called Stranger by the Lake. If you double those movies up. Um, one, you're going to make a lot of men uncomfortable just because of the content. Uh, but two, that would be a fascinating double bill in that they both uh, kind of outwith their kind of homoerotic kind of central core. Um, they're both fascinating stories about um, about murder done in different ways, kind of murder mystery done in different angles. I think it's great. I like to me, it's top five for me this year. But I'm saying that with the caveat in that it's playing very much in a pool of movies and influences that are like that's my wheelhouse, one hundred percent, and it does it very, very, very well. Yeah, but I think that's you know at their best. That's what a good end of year list is of like, 
uh, this person that has a very specific taste is like, if you like the shit I like, yeah, these movies are going to do it for you, you know? Yes. Yes, uh, definitely. Definitely. Also, uh, what should be on your radar, I think it's available on Amazon Prime in the States. It's a little movie called The Black Forest. Uh, why do I feel like I've heard of this? Because uh, I've spoke about it, uh, but I don't know if that's... I've I've spoken about it online, but I don't know if that's something you have heard me speak about yet. It's Brazilian. Um, it starts off kind of fairy tale esque, and by the end, is full blown um, like Evil Dead Two. Like, like by the end, that movie is fucking bonkers, and it's not a, a like a very lot. It's about an hour and a half, and totally worth your time. Okay, all right, I'm in. Um, somewhat unrelated. Ooh. Uh I would just give a a doff of the cap to um I just saw the first episode of The Mandalorian. Yeah, so that we um it's not available in the UK and won't be available in the UK until next year when Disney Plus I, I have seen plenty of UK people have seen it. I can only imagine through less than legal means. Sure. Um but yeah, like Disney Plus officially gets launched over here. I want to say March next year. I've heard good things. Yeah, uh, I am not the the biggest Star Wars fan. <laughs> I, I'm sure you've said that before. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, but I really enjoyed it. It was one of those things where it was like, oh, this really th- this resonates with me because I I think the main character is very cool in a way that you wish a Star Wars character you know was all the time. Um, you know, I mean it's it's following a bounty hunter and he just does cool bounty hunter shit, and yeah. and that's pretty fun. And it wraps up in a place that's like, oh, that's really fascinating, and I've never seen this addressed in a Star Wars uh, film before. And and so it is doing stuff that is new, and, and like it feels very Star Wars, but it's definitely pushing things in a way that the movies don't really do. Yeah, and, and, and I really like it. Like if the movies were more like this, I would be way more on board. So yeah, I, well, you might get that in the next run of whatever they're going to do once they finish this trilogy. I get a feeling they're going to want to try and explore a bit more of different ideas and tones i'd like to be honest with you i think you probably would have got more of that had solo been a bit more successful which still blows my mind to that movie but like, I, I still don't understand what people don't like about that movie it's exactly what i wanted from that movie <laughs> like, like solo to me is exactly the movie i hoped i would get which is like a swashbuckling adventure about a smuggler check <laughs> like it's indiana jones in space check I, I don't know what else people wanted from that. Like, if you know what I mean, it's like people are overtly critical of that, um, in a way which doesn't really make much sense to me. And killed off, I think, a few different projects. One of the reasons that's now a TV uh, kind of show, so to speak, and uh, originally they'd been talking about a kind of Boba Fett spin-off movie which has been consigned to the dustbin time uh, off the back of the lack of interest in the solo movie. So, Yeah, I, I mean, I, I know you enjoyed that one a lot. I, I was not a big fan of Solo. I didn't think that it, it... It was very much a nostalgia film. 
It was like, hey, yeah. and I just, I, that's not what I'm interested in when I watch Star Wars stuff. And, and like, again, I'm way in the minority on this. Uh, I understand that. But when I go to see a Star Wars movie, I'm like, just show me something in this universe I haven't seen before instead yeah. of another goddamn Death Star. And <laughs> I, I swear to Christ, when the, I saw that Rise of Skywalker trailer and you see the ruins of a Death Star, it was like, are you fucking kidding me? We gotta, <laughs> we gotta do another Death Star in one of these movies. Are you, we, well, that's kind of the introduction of the return of a character who's been there from the start. Right. So, I mean, also, sense. which I'm also like, fuck that. I just don't want to see the old shit. Like d- you're doing movies. 30 years after the movies you're referencing, 30 yeah. plus years after the movies you're referencing, I don't mind that you drop a wink here and there, but don't just retread the same shit and the same characters again. And the, and Solo did that too, where it's like, oh, guess who the surprise villain is? Somebody you'll recognize. It's like, of course, instead of creating an interesting character in this movie, we're just relying on other movies that had interesting... Anyway. But, but I, aren't, I, aren't, aren't you excited to go and see a movie called Doctor Sleep, which is referencing in a movie which is 40 years old and is going to be taking you back to the place that is central to that movie. Yes, but also it's like, well, that's you're following the same character and, and it's based on the book by the guy who wrote the original. Like, there's a lot of reasons right. that's different than... Yeah, I I don't think those are equal, uh, completely analogs in the in that sense. Right, right. But but and I don't want to just get out of soapbox because I started with saying <laughs> that the Mandalorian is good. It's and good, it's, yeah. yeah. And it's and it's all the things that I wish the Star Wars movies were, where it's like, oh, this is a character that I don't think you could build a movie around. Because he's so kind of quiet and taciturn, but the fact that he is sort of the character around which this show is happening and, and all the intrigue and stuff like that, it's, uh, there's a surprise call Carl Weathers appearance. Oh wow! <laughs> Where you're like fucking Carl Weathers is in this, <laughs> and and what I didn't realize until the credits were rolling is that uh, John Favreau co-wrote it and produced it. I think yes, that's right. I did remember hearing that way back um, when the project was announced. In fact, not even just Carl Weathers, the cast list for that show was ridiculous. Yeah, Nick um, Nolte yeah. is in it and plays a crazy good role in it, and uh, is like. I had to be told later, oh, that was Nick Nolte. Yeah, it's Uh, almost all gravel in that voice now. It's it's pretty much gone. The (laughs) other thing, dude, is the number of puppets in that show. Yeah. It's crazy. And and not in a bad way, but it was like, holy shit, they're doing a salacious crumb, but it's a little puppet. That's Mm -hmm. fucking great. Well, it's it, Disney money now. Like, you know what I mean? This is this is the this is Disney launching a brand new. I mean, they they want this to do well because there is about a million other stories that can be told from this universe. Yeah, you know, they had like infinite possibilities, so they're throwing their best foot forward with this one. Um, we we're about like Bo. What you're going to find is as we go on doing. Duncan and Bo come correct, that we are going to start spiraling out from. I mean, we've already discussed stuff uh, specifically on Netflix. We've discussed stuff on Amazon Prime. Um, I think next year you could very well hear us talking about stuff on the, was it HBO Max or or Disney Plus? And that we are about to enter the not the Clone Wars, but the streaming wars are about to begin, um, and they're all <laughs> begun. The streaming wars have 
Yeah, we were about to enter it. And to be honest with you, nothing could make me more excited ever because I think we are... St- I think some some of these streaming sites have been putting out interesting things, but some of them have been getting kind of complacent. And with competition, only the viewer benefits. So, um, yeah, well, I think we're about to enter a bra- You remember people are talking about this is the golden age of television. I think the golden age of television really kicks off from 2020 onwards. So I think we're just about, just like, we're about to see the most expensive TV show ever made. And uh, that, that Lord of the Rings thing, which I have zero fucking interest in. And, but I will watch it because they're spending like a bajillion dollars on it. So, well, yep, sign me up. I'll watch that. You know, we, we're about to enter it. It's going to get nuts. Yeah. All right. Uh, you've convinced me. And and I'll tell you, the thing that about Disney Plus, the thing that's kind of genius about Disney in general, and, and I, think, I think they're using some of that Disney smarts when it mm-hmm. comes to their streaming service. Because the thing about Disney is when you go to a Disney park – it is so immersive that like every nook and cranny of the place is built to make you as the consumer happy and pleased to be there. Yeah. You know, everything from the security to the fact that there's, you know, people sweeping up trash everywhere and you never see them because they're so sneaky about it. And yeah, <laughs> you know, like all that stuff and hiding the dead bodies. I know what you're on. Yeah. <laughs> it's a real escape from Tomorrowland vibe, but <laughs> The thing that is applicable to the streaming service is they're like, okay, well, we make this, like, all the uh, Star Wars stuff, well, that's going to relate to the movies. Like, mm-hmm. you're you're seeing part of the, the, the universe of the films. This isn't just a TV show. Yeah. And that's the approach I think they're taking with that Marvel stuff, which is the reason I got the channel in the first fucking place, um, mm-hmm. because I'm that nerd. And... <laughs> But all this stuff, they I got to tell you, man, I watched that uh, Jeff Goldblum documentary series, the first episode of that thing, mm-hmm. and it was a delight. I've got because it's Jeff fucking Goldblum. It, it is, and all they do is they're just like, we're going to turn a camera on you, and you just be you. Yeah, and, that's exactly the way I want Jeff Goldblum to be in everything. It's yeah. just him. It's, it's such a wonderful show, and at any rate... Uh, hearing him go, wow, wowie, wow, wow, <laughs> is so fun. But so, but they're they're the approach that I think they're taking that streaming service is they're like, we this just has to matter. It you, when you're in this ecosystem of Disney, where you just you log into the channel and it's like, hey, do you want to watch some Pixar stuff? How about some Disney classic stuff? Do you need to watch shows for kids? Are you really here for the Marvel stuff? Just click on this button. How about Star Wars? Here's all the Star Wars shit we've got. Yeah. And it's just like, holy fuck, if you're a nerd for anything. Like, the thing I was surprised to find was like, oh, they've got all the original X-Men animated series. Mm-hmm. Where it's like, fuck, that was pretty good. You know, I may end up watching some of that just because I have access to it on this on this channel that has it like there's no consistency consistency to it other mm-hmm. than if it's everything you were ever interested in as a yeah, kid, you know. This is but the, the this to me is the the like like I say this is the this is the future now. Like you're basically we are now in a time, the most exciting time ever, where you basically have, as a consumer, access to digital archives of not only nostalgia, but like anything. Like we're finally getting that kind of the, the realization of 
a what has been what a twenty year journey of you know like illegally pirating things. If you know what I mean, like this kind of Na- the Napster vision has finally come true in that you are paying a flat fee, and for that you have everything. It's what the internet is there for, bro. Um, and all these all these like large repositories of just things that are like you are you as the consumer get to choose what you get to see you're not at the well i'm going to buy cable and that means i get like 190 channels i probably will never watch two and then it's going to be my luck whether or not they're, they're showing something that i want on that channel you know what i mean i'm gonna to have to wade through things no 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 that's like if you are in the mood for something guess what if your mood changes while you're watching that just switch on to the next thing but you're going to be in an environment where you know that that next thing is related to or something that is in that sphere of interest because you're paying for the archives of a disney or an hbo um it's it's like it's like tailored viewing in a way which i think is why companies have taken this long to get on it is beyond me but i'm glad they're doing it now i'm glad disney's doing it now glad like specifically the hbo one has me super excited because there are so many documentaries that hbo have produced in the past if they become available oh holy fuck like you know i mean like like tons so much disney stuff even right we're talking about your x-men animations see if that spawn that you know mcfarland spawn animated series just like appears like on an HBO streaming site that I can just sit down at some ungodly hour and switch on a couple of those episodes, I'm going to be a happy fucking camper because they're not easy to get over here. You know what I mean? These things, it's, it's an exciting time for it and it's about time. I mean, what, it's fucking 2019, Bo. Come on. I know what year it is. <laughs> you kind of said that as if you were unsure. Um, <laughs> I mean, I've, I've got it down to two or three. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> what year is it uh, right oh uh, shit now we're talking um, hey, by the way let's just do this before we jump right into the terror season to rumor word on the street is season four i mean bring it on that season three is something special yeah, i, I mean it's, it's been talked about with it's been talked about in a way which doesn't sound like just kind of pure facile rumor it's now actually starting to sound like there might be a bit of turgidity in that rumor oh well i like a non-flaccid rumor (laughs) uh (laughs) duncan you ready to talk about some infamy yes infamy infamy they've all got in for me and that's the show uh (laughs) so the terror infamy Season, uh, well, I guess season two. Anyway, the Terror yeah. Infamy episode one, <laughs> fuck it, um, is <laughs> we'll do it live. God damn it, right? Thing sucks. Is right, right? <laughs> is entitled the, the episode <laughs> one of the Terror Infamy is entitled "A Sparrow in a Swallow's Nest." Yeah, which is my favorite sexual position. Um, that, it's very tough in yoga. And it's also a good uh, Fallout Boy song. Um, yeah. <laughs> do you even know what Fallout Boy sounds like? I do, and I know. Oh, I, 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 I and I know they have a history of naming songs that do 
titles that do not appear anywhere in the song. Yeah, just ridiculous names. Right, right. Yeah. So, I know what the fuck I was saying, Duncan. Ooh, look at me. I'm bored. I'm with it. <laughs> Daddy's hip. Daddy's with it. Ducker, 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 ducker. Anyway. <laughs> no, you did not on this show. No, you did not. I did. <laughs> uh, so, the uh, it is directed by by Josef Kubota Lenica. It sounds about well. It sounds a lot better than how I pronounce it. So. Yeah, it's like a W L right together. That's throwing me. Yeah, um, and written <laughs> written by uh, Alexander Wu. Um, yeah. And at any rate, so Woo-hoo? <laughs> Sorry. Um, it's Joanna Man. <laughs> this is this is a serious TV show, Bo. It, I'm treating it with nothing but seriousness. <laughs> and so as we alluded to earlier, this is, is set in the uh, in 1941. Mm-hmm. And we open Duncan on a, and a woman applying sort of a traditional uh, geisha makeup. Yes. Uh, as she looks at her uh, a picture of her family. And then she, she walks down a long pier. And it's a really beautiful, like... You'll hear me say this a couple times throughout this show, but there are some beautiful shots. Uh, yeah, cinematography and composition is immaculate. Yeah. And her body does a weird, like, twist, a little, you know? Yeah. <laughs> if you're if you're familiar with Japanese horror movies, you know the one I mean. Yep. <laughs> and she just kind of collapses on the pier and then removes like you know how you got the traditional uh hairpins that stick yes. out of the bun in, in a geisha outfit and she pulls one of those out duncan mm-hmm. and she does what i do when i'm forced to listen to too much uh ed sheeran <laughs> our fallout boy <laughs> or our fallout boy <laughs> and she just jams this fucker in her ear yeah not just jams like it goes all the way in but <laughs> Right. Well, but the thing is, not at all at once. Like there's. Oh, no, she doesn't. Slow, she takes her time. Savors it. <laughs> well, savors it, or just has to, you know, kind of, and you know, get, get it in there. Like she's chalking a cue on a pool table. Yeah, kinda. And then, like, she takes off her shoe, just hammers the end of it. You know. Um. It's good sound effects, but no expense. <laughs> Best of everything. Spend no expense. Um, <laughs> I was seduced by the magic of this place too. Ugh, <laughs> the worst line of Jurassic Park. And I love Laura Dern. This ain't nothing against her. That's just a shitty line. And, yeah. and there was no, no actress alive could have saved it. No, she gave our best shot, but you know. Yeah. Um, come too on. Busy, too busy concerned about whether they should use it, Bo. They didn't think about oh. whether they well, no, could and should. I don't know. Jeff Goldblum, I love you. <laughs> See, right there. Uh, uh, chaos theory. And, <laughs> and and so she gets the, the thing deep enough so that she finally just like, and, and collapses dead on the pier. Yeah, she's dead, ladies and gents. All, all I'm going to say is, like, don't try that at home. Right. Um, or if you do. Uh, I would like video. I mean, I don't think it can be done. Um, <laughs> yeah, with the logistical factor, what she does is impossible. Um, it is a very fucking bitch and righteous opening scene. Right. It's like, you know, 
jam in the ear and then credits and you know it might as well have been electric guitars yeah and then we we have like a dream sequence with uh our character chester hmm. where he is at uh at a funeral for for this woman who, who we do not know yet um but he is at her funeral and uh chester is he is first generation American. Like his, his yeah. parents are very Japanese. He was born in the United States, um, but lives on this small island, which is kind of this Jap- tight knit Japanese community. It's people who you know immigrated from Japan to the U.S. and they've kind of, in a weird way, recreated a Japanese village on this yeah. little island. Yeah, and yeah. they're all fishermen for the most part, and things like that, and. Um, Anyway, so they're having a, a funeral for uh, Miss uh, Furuya, uh, as we learn uh, her name is. And as he's pulling at this thread on the sleeve of his jacket, it starts to look like he's pulling out his veins, old Nightmare on Elm Street 3 style. <laughs> yeah, I'm absolutely, like, you give me the first five minutes of a TV show, which I'm like, nah, this is fucking amazing. <laughs> it's it's pretty rocking, and then somebody uh, comes up and is like, "The fuck is wrong with you?" And he's like, "Huh, huh." He does a, a, a BTK cop masturbating. <laughs> yeah, huh. Sorry, uh, it's not what it looks like. Um, but <laughs> looks like you were pulling your veins out of your arm. It's exactly what it looks like. But so he goes to pay his respects and there's clearly this relationship between him and, and the, the deceased lady that we are not aware of, you know? And we have a vision of her like grinding some shit up for him and saying like, this is going to be ready in a week and then everything's going to be all right. And, uh, so like, she's kind of a, a local shaman of sorts yeah a lady a lady who who traffics in potions and whatnot Mm um herbal medicine uh homeopathic medicine a character from skyrim right kind of (laughs) yeah yeah i used to be an adventurer too and i took an arrow in the knee hello if you can (laughs) gather these herbs that i need i can make that potion for you he's like this is the shittest side quest ever let's just get back to killing dragons here's a shiny dagger now go kill a tree (laughs) this is an actual mission in that game yeah i know i did that uh so (laughs) we finally get the insert that this is called terminal island is the name of this place in Mm -hmm. uh 1941 and we're carrying the coffin outside and um, I think it's Chester's mom is telling Toshiro. Toshiro is uh, Miss Furuya's son who has yes. died. So Toshiro uh, is there and uh, Chester's mom is like, hey, Toshiro, smile. Don't be such an asshole. Your mom's watching over you. <laughs> Your mom's dead. How dare you not smile at her funeral? Right. Like she'd want to look down and see you happy that she is finally dead. And Chester... <laughs> Chester is taking a picture. Um, Fucking war went in the wrong hole there. <laughs> I don't want to kill you, Duncan. Not this way. <laughs> Not like this. 
<laughs> Not like this. Um, <laughs> and so, like, as everybody's gathering around this coffin, this big wind blows up. Yeah. And knocks over the coffin. And poor Miss Furuya just spills out of the fucking thing. Yeah, it tumbles out in what would be in any other show, a slightly comedic movie, but a movie moment. But in this one, um, just adding to the the layers, I mean, the sky is grey, things are grim, um, characters are dead, and now we see this, and it's like, uh, yeah. And the kid's still not smiling for obvious reasons now. Dead mother's flopped out in the, in the ground. Um, but yeah, so like, it, there's there there appears to be something cursed about this whole situation, Bo. Well, that's what uh, Chester's mom again. She's from the old country, yeah, and, and she's got it going on, right? Chester's mom does have it going on, <laughs> uh, and Chester, uh, you know, is like trying to help get the the body in the coffin repaired, and uh, his mom is like. It's a curse. It's a blood curse. (laughs) You're all doomed. (laughs) And Chester's dad is like, what, a spirit here? We're in America after so many years and so many miles. And she's like, yeah, we're here, asshole. And he's like, "Uh, check and mate, I guess. Uh." (laughs) And then, (laughs) like... It, we'll we'll repeat this often, but Chester's mother, I mean, to your point, does have it going on. She seems mm-hmm. to kind of be pretty aware of everything that's happening, and is also like, we're gonna get into some heinous shit that Chester drops on her, and she takes it like a <laughs> fucking champ. Yeah, yeah. This is this is a woman who this is a woman who has adapted. To the new world while still being firmly rooted in the old world. She, I love it. Yeah, she has that fucking Japanese stiff upper lip like you would not believe. Where Anyway, we'll get to it. So mm-hmm. uh, we go to Chester's father's ship. Uh, the, uh, Henry is, is Chester's father's name. Uh, Henry mm-hmm. has a ship called the Taro. And he is uh, a fisherman. Um, also part of the crew is George Takei. Yes. Who is awesome on this show. As this, oh, my. He, yeah, just an old man who hangs out on the ship. It's just like, let's fish. <laughs> I need to find the fish. Punch in the coordinates, Mr. Sulu. Will do, Captain. <laughs> Hello, fish. Hailing frequencies. <laughs> fucking tractor beam in some micro. <laughs> yeah. I have a tuna on the main screen, Captain. (laughs) (laughs) I remember when he was announced as being cast in this, and I was like, I've not seen George Takei in anything in a while. Like, he used to do, like, most of the stuff he does is sci-fi because he got typecast that way. Um, But I think the last thing I maybe saw him in was Heroes, and that's going back years. Yeah, and I think he also gets cast a lot as George Takei. Yeah. Like he, can, he cameos in a lot of stuff where like they'll yeah. just cut to him at, at, like in a party scene. And he just goes, "Oh my!" Yeah, and and, and that's paid handsomely for it as well. I did the same as well. He should. The man is a national treasure. <laughs> one one of many we have on the show, but George Takei, <laughs> national treasure. 
And and he's wonderful in this. He, like he does not give that Mister Sulu performance. He gives a no, really. He's, he's great in this. Yeah, he's he's not old old kind of cynical, but at the same time, once again, like firmly rooted in old world Japanese superstitions, and he's brilliant. Yeah, right from yeah. the off, like as as the first couple of sentences, I think he is the crazy Ralph on this TV show, and I fucking love it. Like, <laughs> well, so. Chester is uh, looking through the lens of the camera and sees the dead Miss Furuya through the lens. He like pulls the camera away and she's not there. He's like, oh, it's like, sh- it's like Shudder. It's totally like Shudder. Like, see, there's about two or three references directly to J-horror. Yeah. Like early 2000s J-horror. And I'm, I have an erect penis watch and I'm just like, oh, yeah, do it to me. Donnie. Yeah, give, give it to me all Juan style. Um, mm-hmm. So Takei immediately starts backseat fishing. Yes. <laughs> when, when he's like, oh, I was the Tuna Boxing Champion of San Pedro. <laughs> and that's a good Takei. And they're like, the fuck are you talking about? And, he, and it's this whole story about how. Uh, they had to go fishing, and he punched a tuna out or something, and yeah. it, it's ridiculous and kind of wonderful. Yeah, and then you remember that, I mean, we both are firm fans of Arnold Schwarzenegger punching at a camel and a horse. Yes. It's a horse, isn't it? It's a horse, not a camel. No, it's a camel he punches out in Conan. <laughs> is it? Yeah. Oh, yeah, it is. By the way, bought that in Blu-ray after, it's coming this week, bought that in Blu-ray um, after our discussion on it in a previous episode. Yeah. I was like, I need to buy that the first chance I get, and then like almost as if the internet knew a week later, it was like, guess what's getting released on limited edition Blu-ray? And I was like, yeah, I'll have that. Oh, it's, now, man, if, if it's been a while, you're in for such a treat. You're mm-hmm. really, you're going to love it. Um, So uh, Henry has collected some fish and he's throwing some back into the sea. And he says, and, you know, Henry is Chester's dad. And he says, uh, this is for good luck. Seven for us, three for the sea. Yeah. Uh, and for the spirit of Miss Furuya. And Chester's like, I thought we left all that spiritual shit behind us. And Henry, because his wife gave him what for in the earlier scene <laughs> is like, no, no, no. We brought that with us. You should talk to your mom. She look, I don't know if you noticed this, Chester, but your mom has it going on. Yes. <laughs> I love that we're keeping that going. Uh-huh. <laughs> and, all right, so the the ship is at dock, and, you know, they're going through the catches and whatnot, and up comes uh, Stan is is the guy's name. He's, he's the guy uh, what buys fish for the local cannery. Yeah, one of many... American characters that I instantly dislike in this TV show. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. Well, it's America. it's hard not to. <laughs> because the first thing he does is he like looks through the fish and he picks out uh, a devil fish and he picks out an octopus and he's like, I can't pay you $40, $40 a ton for this bullshit. Yeah, bullshit. And they're like, "Look, what's the big deal? You this is you, this is what we always bring you. We bring you great fish." And he's like, "It's a bunch of fucking trash fish. I'm gonna have to pay people just to sift through it." And uh, Henry is like, "Well, how much do you think it's worth?" And Chester barges in and is like, "Fuck that noise. We'll go through. We'll sort it out. But you're gonna pay us forty dollars a ton, just like you pay everybody." Mm-hmm. And Stan's like, "Huh. All right. Well." Your boy's got quite a mouth on him, don't he, Henry? And he just kind of 
strolls off. And uh, Chester's like, you know what? If you if you keep letting these assholes walk all over us, that's why they treat us like this. Yeah. And uh, Henry, his dad, has a great line here where he says, if you want to be captain, learn how to fish. Yeah. <laughs> Standing around, bitching and ma- taking pictures. Anyway. Yeah. Go and punch out Tina. Right, yeah, at least George Decay punched a tuna. Yep. Then we see Chester returning home to uh, kind of this little village on Terminal Island. It's a lot of little houses, and, and again, very kind of quaint seaside village sort of look to the place. Mm-hmm. And they pass by Marlon, who, speaking of white dudes, he's like a Navy, uh, a Navy private or whatever the... Ensign, I don't know, whatever the fuck uh, the the lower-ranking Navy is. But he seems okay, because like he and uh, Chester are buddies, and they're talking about going to see a movie the next day. And Henry, kind of wisely, is like, he tells Marlon, like, keep Chester away from the military base, would you? Because, look, one of these days, like, we know that there's some shit going on overseas. And, again, this is right before Pearl Harbor. Yep. So, uh, but uh, even then, Henry is like, they may not know who to shoot, so... Just, you know, keep an eye on Chester. Make sure he's safe. And Marlon's like, hey, no problem. And there's like a propaganda poster up on one of the houses that's like, hey, if you know of any like hanky-panky when it comes to the Japanese, (laughs) give us a shout. You know, if it's a... (laughs) If you see something, say something. (laughs) Oh, my. Uh, So, then... um, we get a really nice surprise here where Chester uh, goes into the city. They're uh, near what San Francisco, I think is what they're close to. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, he is on a park bench kind of alone and having this dream of his, you know, surprisingly non-Japanese girlfriend. Mm -hmm. And she shows up and she plays a character named Luz. uh, Speaking of Luz. Yeah. And is uh, probably familiar uh, for listeners of this show, if you listen to the last season, uh, where she was uh, the angel of death in Too Old to Die Infamy. Mm-hmm. And here, though, she is not a silent assassin. <laughs> she she is a... Uh, you know, just, uh, like a, a a young woman of of Hispanic descent. I think she's what Brazilian or something. I can't remember yeah. what she says. And um, but anyway, she is Chester's girlfriend, and we find out that uh, he has procured from Miss Furuya. Chester has this anti baby medicine. Which is a couple of vials, like he's knocked Luz up and is giving her this stuff from Miss Furuya that is supposed to get rid of the baby. Yeah, like a, a homeopathic morning after pill. But yes, exactly. And she is upset because she's like, this is an offense to God. And Chester's upset because the very last interaction he had with a woman, what jammed a, a hairpin into her brain... <laughs> was him asking her to make this for him. Mm-hmm. And he says, like, hey, she made this because I asked her. You know, like, she she w- would not have done this for just anyone. And Luz is like, well, what are we going to do? And he's like, you know what? By Christmas, we're just going to forget all about this. It's cool. 
And this is setting up one of the major themes of the show so far, which is the idea that you can't outrun your past. Yeah. You know, again, very Japanese horror. And she tells this story, Luz does, about how she was going to become a nun and because it was going to honor her mother who died and also because she was like, I love the sound of being a nun, but I realized as I got older, I like the sound of a thing way more than the thing itself. Yeah. Which, I, which I think is a really interesting point. And Chester, meanwhile, is like, you think that's fucked up? Look, I'm just trying to get out of this little island. Like, people live on, they don't leave Terminal Island. They just stay right there. That's their whole world. And that ain't me, lady. I gotta kick the dust off this crummy little town off my heels and have some adventures. I am what I am. Sorry. <laughs> Dear. You are, I come from? Yeah, you're got quite the musical soul to you tonight. And I have no idea what's going on. Um, I mean, I that's pretty pretty much true of everything I do. <laughs> Welcome to Y World, McLeish. <laughs> right. Welcome to the chaos. Uh, <laughs> who are you, and where is this? What year is it? <laughs> <laughs> And so as, as the scene wraps up, uh, she's like, well, I guess maybe I should leave first. And then Chester is like, fuck that. And he just like quietly gets up and gives her a real Irish goodbye. Mm-hmm. And then we cut back to the fish factory or the cannery or whatever. Not a factory. They're not making fish. And <laughs> and Henry is there and he's like, hey, we sorted through all this fish. And Stan's like, well, here's why I can't pay you $40 a ton this time. Mm-hmm. And it's because the fish are so fucking small. And yeah. Henry's like, are you fucking fine? Well, like, how much can you give me for it? It's and, interesting that after all this hard work, his his counter is exactly how much you wanted to pay him before all that work. Right. He's like, well, I guess I can give you $20 a ton, which is what I told you in the first place, stupid Japanese motherfucker. Yeah. And then, while they're kind of negotiating or, or, you know, Stan's just being a terrible racist about all of this, uh, which is a recurring theme also through the show oh, yeah. <laughs> is uh, his, his like jaunty uh, tie, his scarf gets caught in the cannery machines mm-hmm. and is dragging him towards inevitable death. Yeah. Henry. And I am willing at every second that's happening. I'm like, yeah, let's kill this bitch. Right. Like why Henry just didn't run out the door. Uh, we'll never know. But what Henry does instead is if acting quickly, grabs a knife and cuts the scarf and frees Stan from the machine who just kind of scrambles away and runs off without a word. Yeah, because there are people in the background who you later find out maybe his superiors. Right, who have witnessed all this. And uh, so then we leave Henry and Stan, the racist, to go to Chester, who is, in case you forgot, Duncan, likes photography because here he is in his dark room uh, developing pictures from the funeral. Yep. And when he's going through them, he sees there are some blurry faces beside uh, Decay. Yeah, it turns out some characters in this particular TV show have watched the videotape from the ring. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, Just saying. <laughs> And he gets, Chester gets a phone call, and it's like, seven days. Um, <laughs> oh. <laughs> I don't know why Tom Waits was the voice of 
Yeah, I totally like. See if someone wants to remake Ringu, uh, they have to cast the role of Sadako to be played by Tom Waits. You're gonna die in seven days. <laughs> I'm in a fucking well. My dad treated me pretty rough. <laughs> Toss me down a well. <laughs> if anyone could make being tossed in the well sounds so cool. It would be Tom Waits. What a load of women <laughs> coming through your TV. <laughs> I just so mad that want to see a 3D Tom Waits come through a TV now. <laughs> yeah, his little bowler cap. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm, I'm using it as a vehicle to come to you. Now I gotta kill you. <laughs> Someone make that happen. You turned it to channel weights. <laughs> channel weights. <laughs> or he could be in that reboot of The Grudge. Oh, so instead that of the good. Kind of, instead of the... Uh, it's just him doing poetry. Just... <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I I need a pack of cigarettes. Who's got some espresso? Oh, I'll take some bourbon. <laughs> What's in Sadako? <laughs> Warm being cold, Yuri. I just can't deny. She took a fucking pen out of her hair and put it in her ear. <laughs> Who's she blinding in there? <laughs> The Yoshidas are coming over for dinner. Yeah. Uh, and the Yoshidas are, are very much like uh, Chester's folks in that, like, Amy is first-generation American. Uh, she's, like, a young Japanese-American girl, and her parents are, are from the old country. And, you know, the, like, the family seem to be pretty tight. And um, I think she's got eyes for Chester a little bit here. but I think you're right. But she, you know, obviously, as we'll learn later, she's barking up the wrong tree because he's got... He's got eyes for lose. Yeah, or Eureka, Angel of Death. <laughs> right. And they go for uh, a walk after dinner. Like, during dinner, there's some, you know, chatter about, like, well, you know, this war thing's a real bad piece of business and whatnot. And what happened with uh, Miss Furuya? There's kind of a repetition of, like, well, you know, these old spirits are still with us. And Amy and Chester are the ones who are like, fuck that. I mean... Yeah. You know, they're Americans for all intents and purposes. They don't, even though they grew up in that tradition, they don't They don't believe it in the way that their parents do. Yep, they're Americans. Disrespectful to tradition. I mean, very much so, but but in, in a very American kind of way of just yeah, like, yeah. you know, fuck you, mom and dad. We're going to, and, and when he and Amy go for a walk later, it's, you know, Amy is talking, complaining about her parents being so traditional and close-minded and Chester is like, yeah, you know, as soon as I can, I'm going to go to the mainland and get a job as a photographer. And 
Chester's talking about going to the mainland to be a photographer. And his mom is like, hey, life is hard. You can't do it without family. Like, you yeah. can't just leave us. Because if you do, like, being alone is no way to go about things. And Chester says, yeah, I mean, just ask Miss Faruya about family. Am I right, everyone? And everyone's like, <laughs> High five hey, <laughs> hey <I> t- <laughs> too soon, man. Yeah, far too soon. You've got, you've got to gauge the room, Chester. Gauge the room. Right, but so this is where Amy and Chester go for a walk, and they're, you know, smoking and whatnot, being rebellious kids. And uh, Amy is like, you know, my brother believes that shit, too. He says Japanese is rice, which I think is funny. Mm-hmm. And then Amy talks about how, well, it's kind of no wonder that Miss Furuya did this because her husband used to get drunk all the time, beat her up, and then woke up because he was so blonde drunk the night before he doesn't remember beating her and just sees the bruises and beats her again. And they make their way to the spot where she died, where she killed herself. And Amy is like, wow, it's so crazy that she did that. I mean, when was the last time you saw her? And he's like, oh, it had been a while. (laughs) Not, (laughs) no, I mean, not anytime recently. She wasn't making potions for me. I mean, there's no love, baby. There's no, what are you talking about, Amy? You are, you are too much. (laughs) My girlfriend's not Japanese and she's going to be a nun. Well, did I just say that out loud? (laughs) (laughs) What? (laughs) 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 It's a serious TV show. Very serious. And so that night, later that night, Stan comes banging on Henry's door. And Stan, you know, our cannery guy that Henry saved, and he is... Uh, he's, he's there to thank him for what he did. Sure, and the best way to thank anyone, Duncan, is to show up drunk unexpectedly at their home. That's how I do it. I don't know how you do it. I mean, that's the Irish hello. We talked about the <laughs> Irish goodbye earlier. That's the hello. And, <laughs> and it turns out that he got fired for being careless around the machine. Yeah. And... It, He's like, if you hadn't brought me that shitty fish. And Henry is trying to be real polite about the situation. And is like, I understand you. Look, I appreciate you coming here, but you should probably go now. And Stan's like, I need reparations for you causing me to lose my job. And also, hey, I don't think you're a spy, but what if somebody thought you were? Yeah. It's a real dick move. Right. So he he tries to uh, sort of lean on Henry's good-naturedness, I guess, as far as like, hey, you cost me my job, huh? And Henry's like, yeah, uh, probably not. You should go. And that's where he pulls out the, but what if you were a spy? Yeah, and and so he's straight out blackmail. Right, he's got him over a barrel, and he's like, you know what? I think your car will do the trick. Like, and this is a, a car that we, we learn that, like, all that he ever wanted was this car. Well, we'll get to that. But yeah. uh, the the car gets taken by Stan, who, you know, takes the keys. And, and Stan very shittily is like, oh, and by the way, thanks for saving my life. I guess I didn't say that. Beep, beep. See you later, loser. And then yeah. drives off in his car. And Chester comes home and is like, what the fuck happened to the Packard? In, and Henry's like, well, you know, Stan took took off with it. And he's like, you need to be a man. And this is kind of where we get this story about how what 
Henry wanted to do when he came to America, he was like, you know, back in the old country, I pulled like a, a, a cart essentially. Mm-hmm. He was like, I pulled it everywhere. And when I came to America, I promised myself I was going to have a car. I was going to have a car that pulled me around that, 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 yeah. that was my, uh, my dream was to have something that was, you know, essentially my conveyance. And I did it and I earned it. I worked my ass off and I earned that Packard. And because it was taken away, doesn't change the man I am. I'm still the man that came to this country and earned that car. Mm. And you're like, fuck, you go, Henry. And then, and he, show your face, Chester. Yeah, and ends the scene with him saying, don't tell me how to be a man, boy. Yeah. Fuck. Yeah. I tell you, you do not fuck with Henry. No, Henry and, and his wife both, whose name I can't remember right now, uh, but they are both badasses in this. But yeah. so then Miss Yoshida uh, goes over to Furuya's house to um, bring them some food. Mm-hmm. And while she is like laying out the casseroles and whatnot and kind of chit chatting with uh, Mr. Furuya. She is also kind of sprinkling salt, I think, on the windowsills <laughs> and, and like saying some prayers and stuff. And after, so, yeah, I'm just totally here just to feed you guys and ward off the evil. I mean, feed you guys no evil spirits here, just a little bit over there. Right. Yeah. And that's exactly what ha- like Mr. Free is like l- seduced by the food for a second where he's like, oh, we haven't had a good meal in a while. And hey. And she's late on the back going, Klaatu, Varata. <laughs> yeah. What the fuck is going on? He's like, wait a second. Are you trying to purify my house? And she's like, maybe. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> yeah, like patented Duncan and Bo. Maybe. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> and he. I lie. Right. And he's like, I don't need protection now. I didn't need it back then. Get the fuck out. Yeah. I am a wife beater. <laughs> beater of wife. I don't need your salt. <laughs> yeah. So he kicks her out for trying to, you know, ward off the evil spirits. And then we cut over to, like, uh, the local bar. Yeah. Where <laughs> um, the bartender is telling Henry, like, Man, don't sweat this. Next Christmas, you're going to have a Cadillac, I bet. Mm-hmm. And everybody's like, hey, Henry's a good dude. It sucks that it happened. We understand, you know, why why people fucking with us is, is sort of par for the course. But, you know, they're, everybody is there to support Henry. Meanwhile, Mr. Furuya is getting drunk. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And uh, he gets an apology. I'm, I'm sorry, my wife meddled in. He's like, yeah, fucking. <laughs> yeah, and he, uh, Faruya is like, I gotta go drink somewhere else for a little bit. And yep. heads outside, he sees a woman pass by him on his way out of the bar um, who looks out of place. Like, she looks like she is dressed in clothes that are perhaps a little older. Yeah, yeah, old school. And. It, it, it attracts his attention. Yes. And then his attention is then thus attracted up towards the moon bow. Or, or the sun or something. And 
But basically, he stares up into this giant ball of light, which burns out his retinas, which is oh, pretty yeah. rad. Yeah, he's he 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 be blind after this. He's a blind man. Yeah, but it's like a painful blind. It's like ah. Right. Yeah. No. He is. He is screaming. There is uh, like burn marks around his eyes. Uh, Mister uh, Akiyama, who is uh, Chester's dad, Henry Nakayama, um, runs over and finds Mister uh, Furuya, who is lying there, you know, with his eyes all jacked up and screaming and whatnot. And um, our our ghost has kind of claimed its first victim. And uh, it, it's pretty rad. And so we follow Chester and Marlon, who it turns out were not going to the movies, as they said. They are going to a brothel. And Duck team buggers. Yeah, so they're trying to get their story straight in the, the lobby of this place. Like, hey, did anybody actually see this Gene Autry movie we said we were going to see? So if anyone asks, <laughs> we can tell them what the fuck it was about. And then one of the, the crew has a pretty funny line about like, yeah, Gene Autry... Uh, was running around the desert for a while. He was chasing some bandits. He found them and sang some songs, and then it ended. It's mm-hmm. fine. Like we don't, we don't have to get complicated here. And they, they they're kind of debating the circumstances of like Mister Furuya simultaneously losing his wife and then going blind, mm-hmm. and uh, whether or not there's some spooky shit afoot because it's kind of the party that they're with. It's kind of two or three white guys and then it's Chester and then it's another, uh, buddy of his of Japanese descent. And so it's kind of a, you know, mixed group of guys and, uh, they're all going to go get fucked because one of them, Walt is about to get married and this is kind of his bachelor party and Chester ends up sitting it out. He's like, "Ah, I got, I got too much on my mind right now. And also, he's got a lady. Right. And he has just broken the cardinal rule of Duncan and Bo come correct, which is, as you know, you yep. should be fucking. You should be fucking. Yep. Chester looks some fucking right in the face and denies it. And so it is no surprise then when a a girl, the girl that Mr. Furuya saw moments ago, what burned out his retinas shows up. Mm-hmm. Except she is doing a traditional tea service. Not not the full thing, but, you know, making tea and serving it to uh, to Chester. And Chester snaps a picture of her. Um, so, you know, foreshadowing. Yeah. And he asks her her name, and she says her name is Yuko. And he's like, hey, uh, she says, why aren't you upstairs uh, doing some fucking like Duncan and Bo are always telling people to do? Mm-hmm. And, and uh, he says, you know, my mind's just on other things. And she, she kind of takes his hand and she says, your heart is so heavy. Do you uh, know about reading tea leaves? How about you come into my room and we do some spooky shit? <laughs> and so he follows her into her room, which has all these like traditional Japanese masks on it. And then she places her hand over a candle flame. And he jerks her hand away and she says, no, no, no. The blood attracts spirits, good and evil. And then... Evil. <laughs> evil. <laughs> and, and puts her hands back over the flame. And this time he, he lets her do her thing. And then he drinks some tea and gives her the cup. And then she says that he is uh, essentially two people. That he is 
lightness and darkness. He is he is life and death. And then he uh, she compares him to the the object of the title, which is you are a sparrow in a swallow's nest. And the moment you believe you're safe, you're going to be killed. Uh, which is always what you want to hear from a fortune teller. Oh yeah, this is like uh, it's always what you want to hear when you're in a brothel, right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> this is life and death, light and darkness. Yeah. Like, oh geez, I just want a blowjob. Yeah, <laughs> when you're at your most happiness, that's when you will die. Right. Yeah, it's a real Angel and Buffy scenario. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Yeah. We can't ever do it because then I would be too happy. Yep. I'd never be able to brood on this show again. <laughs> and <laughs> so she tells him, like, look inside yourself and tell me what it is that you truly want. And he says, I want uh, a fenced acre of land and a child. Aww. Yeah. You know, and it's kind of the American dream. I mean, he's talking about owning his own home and having a family. Like there is, there is no more textbook definition of the American dream. Mm-hmm. And Yuko says, "This is not lost to you. You can still restore your path." But there is a perfect world. Uh, he's like, you know, you know, I, I, I've never known a perfect world. And she says, "You will," uh, but mine has been lost to me. And. So there's this whole creepy scene of fortune telling happens. And then as he's leaving, Chester runs kind of by, by my read of the show, it's sort of accidental that he runs into the Packard. Yeah. And, but he sees the Packard outside Stan's house and he's like, Hey, I got a key. It's my dad's car. I'll just take this back from Stan. So he does waking up Stan or, you know, rousing him from his, uh, required drinking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> who comes outside and is like, hey, he's got my car. Fucking. Yeah, throws a couple of racial slurs in there. And yeah, he's a real charmer, this Stan is. Yeah, we all love Stan. Yeah. And so, uh, Hetty, with having just stolen a car, Chester goes over to Luz's place late at night. And um, he asks her, like, hey, have you taken the potion yet? And she says, no, I haven't yet. And he's like, well, don't. How about we run away together? And she's like, and then what? And he's he's like, you know, and then, I don't know, things will work out. And she's like, listen, I'm pregnant. I'm about to have a child. You, like, let's get in my car and we'll wing it is not the kind of plan I'm looking for out of you. Mm-hmm. And he's like, oh, uh, well, maybe we could just do it or something. And she's like, get the fuck out of here. <laughs> and once more, I'm like, I bet she pegged him too. I bet that's her thing yeah. in television shows. Like every, yeah. every man. Right in there. She just right in like deep. deep. That, that's, that's how she got pregnant. And I think that's how that works. And so we cut over to Stan who is taking a tour of his uh, the job that he just lost, which I can be honest in saying I have never done. I've never returned to the scene of a crime. Why would you ever want to, like, see when you lose, like, see when uh, any job at all, the last thing you want to do is go back to that. Place. It's literally digging up the worst memories. 
Yeah, I mean, what is the best case scenario? Your job sees you, or your boss sees you, and is like, wow, we really made a mistake. You know, now that I see you drunk here late at night, I guess, I guess I, I erred on the side of firing. You should be part of our team again. Mm-hmm. Anyway, but that's not what happens. Instead, what happens is, like, a, a can of tuna spookily rolls towards him from behind. And he's like, huh, that's weird. Anyway, let me grab these uh, uh, gallons, uh, like, jerry cans of kerosene. <laughs> and takes them uh, to the Taro, the uh, the Henry's boat, and starts uh, pouring kerosene all over the boat. And he's clearly intending to, you know, set the, the boat on fire, lights a match, and uh, and it, it blows out. Uh, like, wind kicks up and, and, and blows it out. And then uh, the wind, uh, similar to the one we saw kick over the casket at the funeral at the beginning of the show, uh, blows Stan right the fuck off the boat and into the water. Yep. And I will not share the fucking tear about that. Yeah, it's just like, good. Thank God that that awful person is gone. But there is a bit of a problem here. Uh, Because the next morning, Chester shows up, uh, and Henry and the crew are about to take the boat out. And he's like, hey, you didn't tell me you were going to take the boat out. And uh, Henry's like, why on earth would I? So you can sit around take pictures? We got work to do, man. And George Takei is like, hey, I think someone's been messing with the net. (laughs) And (laughs) that's nothing at all what he sounds like in this show. No, not at all, but I love that. That's what we're doing. Yeah. So they pull the net up, and sure enough, uh, our good pal Stan is all caught up in the net, dead and drowned in the waters. And so Henry and Chester are immediately taking, taken into like some local official office where uh, Henry is like, oh, man, spirits are afoot. Like... <laughs> <laughs> he says, like, Furuya beat his wife, and then he paid the price for it. And then you brought shame to us, Chester, and now I'm paying for it. Mm-hmm. And Chester's like, what are you talking about, Dad? And he's like, I know about what you did. Like, I know about the vials. I know about all that shit. And I shouldn't have ever let you go to L.A. That was a mistake because you're weak. You're a weak little punk. And that's all you've been. That's all you're ever going to be. And... Meanwhile, Chester is like, hey, I'm never going to be the kind of man you are. The kind of man that would allow this to have happened in the first place. The kind of person that Stan looked down on. And as they're bickering and kind of waiting for somebody to come along and and let them, basically let them go. Like, you know, like, hey, we found this dude in a net. It was all an accident. We don't know nothing about it. Can we go? But as they're have bickering back and forth and waiting for, you know, some word to come to them. Um, the, uh, like an, a raid alarm sounds. Yeah. So an air raid alarm kicks off and we very, very, very quickly find out though that whilst all this has been happening in the background, something slightly more important has been happening. A day that will live in infamy. Um, yes. So Pearl Harbor has just occurred. Marlon, who is in the room or passing by is like, you two need to get the fuck out of here right now. Mm -hmm. And they return to find, you know, Terminal Island in chaos because the military has descended on it. 
Yep. And um, while the military is kind of just establishing a presence here, Chester is kind of going about life as normal. You know, he, he goes downstairs and he's developing pictures and sees that the picture of Yuko that he took at the brothel, the picture of her serving tea, that her face is all blurry. Yeah, she's watched the video as well. Well, yes. <laughs> hope she makes a copy and passes it on. Make someone else watch it. Be sure you set it to standard play. <laughs> the extended play makes it blurry. Be kind. Rewind. <laughs> FBI warning. The following video. And... Speaking of the FBI, outside the FBI has shown up now, and basically Henry and a bunch of the other men are being herded into trucks. Mm -hmm. And Henry, uh, Chester is like, Dad, what the fuck is going on? And Henry is like, remember, Chester, you were born here. Show him you're a patriot. The first thing you do is you sign up to fight for your country. And then we get this nice overhead shot where we kind of pull up from this and we see that this is happening all over Terminal Island. Yeah. Then, Duncan, Ooh. we cut over to Yuko, our our ghostly uh, lady of the show. Who, yeah, she's having a great time. She's applying some makeup. She's getting herself sexy. Sexying it up. And as she like pulls a, like a cotton pad down her face... <laughs> The skin tears. Yep. And then she, when the hands. and she does like a little like creepy Japanese ghost neck crack, like, <laughs> and <laughs> then bends a needle and then using it like a hook, she knits up her cheek. And then the last thing we see is that her eyes are completely black. Ooh, spooky. And so, end of episode one. Yeah. Just so like that. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of jam-packed. Like, that's a super busy uh, first episode where we're establishing all the characters and whatnot. And there is, it is just enough uh, information to be like, well, there's definitely something supernatural afoot, clearly. Mm-hmm. But, a little bit of fuckery. A, a whole lot of supernatural fuckery. But we have zero idea of any backstory at this point. Yeah, not a fucking clue. <laughs> right. And and that's kind of how we're going to say in episode two. Uh, episode two is entitled All the Demons Are Still in Hell, uh, which is the name of my favorite Norwegian death metal song. Yep. Um, yes. It's also my favorite caffeine-based drink. So a special blend of coffee is part Peruvian and part Indian. It's uh, it's will a you sh- you will make you shit yourself if you if you have too much. You're right. Anal leakage, more like anal propulsion. <laughs> I don't know why I just got this like <laughs> this horrible, horrible image of this kind of upside down chocolate fondue. It's <laughs> <laughs> just horrible. Phil Hartman sitting at the top of it, like that colon blow commercial. <laughs> oh, dear. Oh, that'd so, yeah, be great. All, 
<laughs> All the demons are still in hell. Thank God, Bo. Yeah. Imagine what would be happening if they were just be walking about. It's dressed up like a geisha. Hey, look. All I'm saying is this show is two for two for uh, episode titles. They're, oh, they're yeah. pretty rocking. <laughs> um, directed again by Yosef Kubota Ladika. Ladika. Yeah. Yep. Sounds that sounds good. Yeah. And uh, written this time by a gentleman named Tony Toast. Um, oh, that's the greatest name ever. Sounds like an adorable breakfast companion. It's either Toast or Tossed, and I, I'm not sure which, but... Toast sounds a bit more innocent than Tossed. Yeah. It's a name you don't want to give your kid to go to school. It's just like a bullying waiting to happen. Uh, but I like it. I like it. Uh, in fact, I'm changing my name from to uh, Bo Toast. Uh, moving <laughs> forward. <laughs> Or maybe just powdered toast, man. I can't decide. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Toast is better than tossed. Yeah, let's let's just go with that. Yeah, you're probably right. So anyway, uh, this opens on Henry, who is you know when last we left him had been taken away, mm-hmm. and it's a very like he's repeating this mantra over and over again, where he, where he's saying, "I am not a spy. I'm a simple fisherman," and yeah, I will not fear. Fear is a main killer. <laughs> Uh, but he's also giving the opening speech of the Godfather. He's like, I've, I love America. These animals, they bomb Hawaii. <laughs> they blow up its ships. Um, yeah, so he's he is being held uh, against his will, and he is just you know again chanting this mantra over and over again. And then we leave Henry to go back to Terminal Island, where the the army is all up in it. Yeah. There has been an edict issued, and Marlin is the one who is at Chester's house, and he's like, "You got you got you got to pack your shit up. You got to get out of here." Um, and Marlin. Kind of suggests, like, Chester's like, why are you doing this to me? Like, you know me. I'm no more a spy than you are. Mm-hmm. And Marlon's like, look, you're lucky it's me. Because some of the other MPs on the island think that maybe you guys had something to do with the death of Stan. Uh, who, who, what got found in the fishing net. Yep. And he says, you know, I got to confiscate any spy equipment like flashlights and cameras. And... Then Chester is asking him, like, hey, where, where is my dad? And Marlon tells him very ominously, wherever he is, it's safer than here. Yeah. So uh, pushed outside, Chester calls uh, the Yoshidas over. And because uh, they're like, hey, you're going to come with us. Um, Amy, who is the other kind of American uh, among them, like purely American, uh, child is especially somebody that's like, hey, they can't do this. Like, this is fucked up. And Toshiro passes by, and Mrs. Nakayama grabs him and is like, hey, you're going to come with us because uh, Mr. Furuya got s- swept up in the uh, hurting of all these men as well. And Chester and his crew, like him and the Yoshidas and Toshiro, are going to go to Los Angeles. And there's a really like poignant moment where Miss Nakayama, as they you know they're about to get in the car, kind of looks back at this home and she says, "You know, 
when I thought when I moved here first, I thought I really was going to hate it. Yeah. And she doesn't finish the thought, but the, you know, the understanding of course is this was her home. It became the place that she loved Mm -hmm. and, and they're being, you know, ripped away from it. And so we uh, follow them to LA where they're in this, the lobby of this hotel that's just crowded with refugees. And Mr. Yoshida notably sees Yuko in the like this hub of people in this hotel, he sees her at the top of the stairs. And yeah, that's not a good symbol. No, clearly, anytime she shows up, some shit is about to go down. And his mm-hmm. wife asks him, like, "Hey, did you see something?" And he's like, "Yeah, I thought I saw somebody, but I, I, I it couldn't have been." And then we cut over to Mister Furuya, who is drying out in this detention center, which can't be fun. And maybe. The most horrifying thing that it happens in both episodes happens here, and for Ooh. my money, mm-hmm. which is you see him repeating "no" over and over again, where Mister Furuya is like "no, no, no," and you cut to his point of view, yes, like what he is seeing, and it's this golden light with Yuko kind of you know framed in the center of it, and mm-hmm. she keeps asking him. Do you remember me? And to me, this is the scariest thing that's happened so far because the, the idea of that, you know, it's sort of that, uh, you remember the movie X, the man with the X-ray eyes. I do indeed. Yeah. And, and there was that story about how the movie ended with like him clawing out his eyes and which is where the movie ends. But there, the rumor is that after that, there, the original script had him saying, I can still see. Yeah. And that's the nightmare scenario of like, oh, he has gone blind so that now all he can see is this woman who is constantly and eternally tormenting him. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's that's some Japanese horror shit right there. But <laughs> <laughs> we're going, we don't need eyes to see. Yeah, I mean, right. It is. It's it very. It is. That is. There is. There is a, a a neat horror right in there with that. Yeah, it's. Re- I really like it, um, because it's disturbing and awful. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. the men are just marching around in a circle, uh, Midnight Express style, and George Takei is like eating the. I think it's this kind of scroll rice paper thing. Yes. <laughs> Where he's eating it, and um, Henry is like, what are you doing? And he says, it is to ward off the obaku. And he's like, uh, Henry says, I don't, I mean, come on, man. Like, we can't get caught up in superstition right now. And he says, look at Furuya. Do you believe that all the demons are still in hell? Mm-hmm. Which is a great line, and... Uh, Takei is talking about how some of the men have just disappeared. And also there's this like Nick Dickerson dude. <laughs> yeah, that's, so, that's all I can think of it. It's, it's Steve Buscemi, like, like dressed up as the school kid. <laughs> yeah. know, it's like, hi, other normal school children. That's what he says. Yeah, I mean, but that's totally what it is. It's just like, he is so out of place. He's like, hey, yeah, I was with a bunch of other prisoners, and it was crazy. So, what's up with you guys? Anything weird happening? 
Yeah. <laughs> hashtag obvious plant. Right. And Henry is like, yeah, there's something up with that dude. And Takei is like, that's right. He's a ghost. And, yeah. and <laughs> you go from go from spy to ghost in two seconds in the show. I love it. Yeah, and Henry is like, "Yeah, give me one of them scrolls, and I'll eat one of those too." <laughs> because DK is like, anyone could be a ghost, mm-hmm. and right, so like it's a real paranoia thing. It's like the thing with Yure, and then we cut to Chester, who stops by his professor's class in uh, L.A. And as he's walking down the hallway to get to his professor, he's getting a lot of Pearl Harbor looks, as I call them, of people <laughs> people looking at him like, look at that Japanese boy. Yeah. And he uh, he goes to the, the professor and he's like, hey, I've been having some trouble with some pictures I've been taking where their faces are coming out supernaturally blurry. Why would that be? And the professor, who's just a regular schmegular white guy. Yeah, I, yeah, I love this. So, <laughs> the, the two different trains of thought. Yeah, he says, if you ask my old professor, he'd say it's bad focus and a shaky hand. If you ask my mother, it's a picture of something that you weren't meant to see. Mm-hmm. And he's like, huh, well, that sounds crazy and fucked up and stupid. I'm going to leave now. And well, then, no, he basically says, he's like, yeah, but I'm not asking for what your professor said and what your mum said. And he said that, hey, I, I want to know what you think. And he says that he thinks that he is bringing, like, his, his emotions with him or the, the, the you know, the, the, he's bringing his surroundings basically with him. So right, all right. this negativity and prejudice towards him at the moment is being manifest in his foes. Right. Which is like straight up bullshit. That's not how photos work, Bo. No, it is not. Um, yeah, it's real dumb. And so convinced that he's not going to get any real answers, Chester leaves and <laughs> goes, uh, runs into Luz. And he's like, hey, I haven't seen you for a while. <laughs> and <laughs> we see that Luz not only didn't take the vials, <laughs> she, she's got a bit of a, a pregnant belly. Yeah, she's got bun in the oven, bowl. Yeah. And uh, Chester is like, hey, we need to talk about this real quick. And she's like, look, I'm having the baby because my mother died so she could have me. Like, she died. As, the only thing she had time to do after I was born was to name me and then fucking die. And then he shows her the, or she shows him this, like, pendant that's got, I don't know, like, dirt from their homeland or some shit in it. And she's like, I know it sounds crazy, but you know, it's, uh, it it makes me think of her and it's important to me. And she's like, there is somebody always watching and judging. And Chester says, well, like I want to help. And she's like, okay, well, how do you plan on helping me then? And he's like, (laughs) (laughs) I could kiss you. And, (laughs) <laughs> she's like, look, I'm working at the orphanage. I'm raising the kid there until I can afford to you basically take care of us. Mm-hmm. And he's like, you're giving our baby up for adoption? Or you're, you're basically putting the care into the hands of the orphanage? And she's like, it's the only plan I got. You got a better one? It's almost <laughs> as if, Duncan, this show is saying, Chester is not the kind of person who makes plans. Yeah, yeah, he's a bit, he's a bit uh, aloof with his planning. Um, and yeah, that, <laughs> uh, that might just continue on in this show, though. Yes. Uh, well, it, there's a pretty stark turn coming up, but 
Yeah, it's it's a real like, hey, Chester, you're kind of fucking all this up for everybody because you don't know what you're doing. You're just sort of bouncing from one thing to another and not taking accountability for anything. Yeah, actions have consequences. And then we have one of uh, the pair of scenes are one of my favorite things in, in this episode where Henry is in his cell at this unknown detention center and repeating his mantra of like, I'm a simple fisherman. Uh, I I didn't do anything wrong. And a guard comes in and takes him out uh, via truck to a frozen lake in the middle of nowhere and is ordered to get out of the truck. And it's like, fuck, are they just going to shoot him in the fucking face here? Yeah. I I, kind of felt like we were getting like a kind of Miller's Cross-esque sort of just keep walking out there. Everything's going to be all right. Now you will die. Um, but there's he's got one of these um one of these ice drills with him, these hand drills for, for ice ice fishing bowl. Yeah. Yeah, and the, the guard throws him this uh this big drill and a bucket and he's like, So you claim you're a fisherman? And he's like, That's right, I'm a simple fisherman. And he's like, All right, well, fucking catch some fish then and he's like, I don't that's not the kind of I I've never ice fished, that's not what I do. And he's like, Fisherman's a fisherman, baby. You be- I'm, we're going to leave you out here, and you better have some fucking fish when we come back. So we leave him there, which is real fucked up. I was like, man, that's a a real roundabout way to murder someone, you know? Yeah, yeah, it's a horrible, horrible way to go. Right. And so uh, Chester, meanwhile, is back at this shitty hotel in L.A., and while he's in bed, he sees Yuko pass by a window. He follows her out into the hallway, and then she's gone. Yeah. And we see him go to Miss Antoinette and ask about Yuko. And it's like, hey, you know, I keep seeing this girl. Where is she? Uh, What do you know about her? And she's like, there's no Yuko here. And she's like, I haven't had a Japanese uh, girl here in years. So I don't know who the fuck you think you saw. So spooky. Ooh. Yeah, surprise, surprise, Yuko's a ghost. And <laughs> <laughs> then we, we get the punchline to the, the scene of Henry being taken out to the ice. Because uh, I, I don't know if you were like this. Here's what I thought was happening in this scene. So the, the soldier returns, and it's kind of dark. Yes. And he is coming up behind Henry, who is sitting uh, presumably at the edge of this hole that he's drilled, not moving. And yeah. I, I was like, man, if he froze to death all Jack Torrance style, that, <laughs> that's really going to piss me off. And I, I, for a second, I thought that's what had happened. Yeah, although the tone of the scene would be completely different if he kind of turned around and looked at his face and he was actually doing, you know, those poses that you do when you get a big fish and he was frozen like Jack Torrance. Yeah, that's <laughs> really funny. <laughs> Just a big smile on his face. Aha, a fish. Why don't they get a load of my fish? And, but it turns out, uh, as the, the soldier gets close, Henry turns around and he's fine and he holds up the fucking fish he caught. That's right. Fuck you, American guard. Right. It's, it, like I said, it's one, probably my favorite thing in the episode. Cause it's a real, like, y- you know, you thought you had one over on me just out of sheer will and determination. I'm going to fuck with you right back. Yeah. Not just one fish. There's like four. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I caught a bunch of fish. Yeah. And so 
back at the hotel, another order has come down. And now they're being taken out of this hotel and being taken to a racetrack. And they're told, like, hey, you can only take two suitcases, grab your shit, get on the bus. And Chester is like, okay, here's what we're going to do. Everybody get two suitcases worth of stuff. We're going to, because they've got 48 hours to do this. Mm-hmm. And he's like, we're going to sell off everything we can, and that way we're going to have some cash when we show up at this place. And that may come in handy. I'm going to leave the car with my professor because I know I can trust him and he'll keep it safe for us. Um, and his mother's like, you know what? Your father would actually be proud of you. Proud of you. It's like you're forming a plan. <laughs> it's like you're being responsible. Yeah. So uh, he's like, yeah, I guess dad would tell me better late than never. And she's like, yeah, whatever. We Now we've got to go sell off all our earthly belongings. Mm-hmm. And so... At the orphanage where Luz works, she is, there's a really nice scene with her, like, uh, treating a girl who has scraped her knee and being kind of wonderful about it. And then all of a sudden the military busts in and is rounding up all the kids of Japanese descent. Yeah. And Luz, like, is standing up for me. is like, where are you taking them? What are you, what are you doing? And they're like, well, you know, we're on the lookout for spies. And she's like, they're six years old. Well, like, what spying do you think they're going to do? And the army dude says, like, anyone with Japanese blood has to go. That's just how it is. And Lou says, what What about the unborn? And he kind of glances at her belly and he says, yeah, even the unborn. And so, uh, but he doesn't take her at, at the time. And then we see that uh, the the families are being marched into this camp. It, like a, this impromptu camp at a racing track. Yeah. And Chester is asking after some kids who like are from the orphanage that are brought in. And he's like, who's taking care of these kids? Where are their parents? And the military's like, don't worry about it. They're, you know, they're Japanese, ain't they? And Chester then, he's in line with his mom and Toshiro. And he goes, mom, I need to tell you something. <laughs> Remember when you were proud of me a minute ago? <laughs> Yeah, he's like, I can't really go with you. And she's like, what are you talking about? And he's like, well, I should have told you before, but I knocked up a non-Japanese girl, and I need to go make sure that she and my unborn half-Japanese child are safe from all this madness. Mm -hmm. And his mother, uh, Mrs. Nakayama, has this cold-ass line where she, she says, come to Shiro, we must behave as if the world is not meant to spin around us. <laughs> it's a real backhanded. Amazing. <laughs> that's that is one of the most motherly things I've ever heard on television. Of just that is the most passive aggressive shit ever. It's is the is the most poetic and and a eloquent way of saying I'm I'm not angry with you. I'm just disappointed. Yeah, yeah. It's a real like. Oh, well, I guess other people are more important than your mother. Yes, please. Go tend to them. I'll be fine here in a detention camp. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it's it's real. So he takes off. He does. He fucks off. And they're taken to their new home, which is literal shit-covered horse stalls. Well, yeah, because like when they walk in, the first thing 
the boy says is, you know, like the the smell of this place. And God bless, God bless her little cotton salt. She's like, we've got a lot of work to do then. Yeah. And they're like, Dude, you will not hold this woman down. You can't. You, I mean, she immediately, like you said, she's immediately like, well, time to start cleaning up. And, oh man, she is fucking awesome in this <laughs> th- this show. So then, so Chester has left her to go to the orphanage where Luz is like, hey, you can't stay here. Like they're rounding up Japanese people. And she she's like, look, we've already talked about this. I can't just run off with you. And he's like, we're not, I've got a plan. Well, here's what's going to happen. I'm going to go. I've got the car. My professor's going to keep us safe for a few days, and then we're going to get out of the state. And she's like, well, it's a, a better plan than I've got, and it's surprising coming from you. <laughs> but all right. Because all your plans thus far have been successful. This one will work, most definitely. Yeah, and then we get a real dick tease of a, a scene with Yuko. <laughs> Where Toshiro is wandering down the, you know, row of stalls that they're using for, for housing. And he hears somebody like tapping their fingers and they're really gnarly yellowed fingernails and stuff. And, and he looks out to find, or looks into one of the stalls to see Yuko Mm -hmm. and Yuko is like, come in Toshiro. And, uh, she's like, you look like your mother. And as things are about to get real creepy, Amy Yoshida comes walking by and is like, hey, Toshiro, hey, lady I've never seen before. (laughs) What's going on? Uh, And Yuko is like, definitely not taking vengeance. Um, I guess I'll see you later, Toshiro. And Amy's like, okay, bye-bye. And Yuko does not seem happy to have been interrupted in medias vengeance for for what again we don't know what for but mm. she is a hundred percent of vengeance spirit oh yes that can only be a good thing bo well you know if you're her yeah. uh, <laughs> and not anyone else everyone else is going to be murderified by it but yeah everyone else is going to die horribly <laughs> so uh, Furuya is on work detail, uh, ba- work detail. He basically stands in a spot while the other men put sticks in his arms for fire. One presumes. <laughs> <laughs> and he's, he's talking about how he sees this strange woman's face and Henry's like, well, who is it? And he's like, I don't know. I don't know who this is. And Takei uh, then is like, Hey, since you're talking to ghosts, why don't you ask her what this Nick dude is all about? <laughs> and there's a really funny line here where he's like, uh, uh, you know, you've got us all uh, acting like a bunch of old women with all this mm-hmm. superstition. But uh, yeah, so uh, Henry, uh, or sorry, Mr. Furuyama is like, ah, that's kind of not how it works. She ain't saying much besides this whole, like, do you know who I am thing, which is kind of driving me nuts. And then we find Chester and Luz who have made it to the professor's place, but nosy Miss Kravitz next door song. Oh, I hate nosy Miss Kravitz. Oh my goodness. Uh, so in She's theory, got a right sour face, a right sour face old bitch, isn't she? She, yeah, it's a real, like her expression is always who farted. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
And and so the idea is that they're going to stay with the professor for a few days and then bounce out of state. But th- almost immediately, the FBI shows up and they're like, uh, Chester, you need to come with us. And Chester is like, tells Luz in, in private, like, you need to stay seated. Do not let them see that you were pregnant. Mm-hmm. And, in, and in fairness, it works. Like, they're like, miss, you don't have anything to worry about. We need to take this young man with us. They take him outside. And then Luz runs out after him and is like, you've got to take me also because I'm carrying his baby. And we get a really, like, shot of this shitty neighbor looking all smug (laughs) about it. Uh, And so they immediately take them to the camp. And Chester shows up with his non-Japanese knocked up girlfriend. And goes immediately to his mother and is like, Mom, this is Luz. And his mother has like this moment of just like, God damn it, Chester. Like, of all the things I want to deal with right now, this is not it. And then she stands up straight and says, Welcome. I wish I uh, I wish we had better uh like better accommodations to greet you in. Mm-hmm. but I'm happy to meet you. And it's just like, God damn, she has so much more like grace and poise than I ever will. amazing, <laughs> both. She's very impressive. Mm-hmm. And so Henry, uh, George Takei and Furuya are then rounded up by the same soldier that took Henry out to fish and they're rounded up in this truck, taken out to the same spot, and given this drill. And they're like, look, we're sick of all the shit we've been eating, too. You surprisingly caught fish. We were going to probably kill you, but then you caught fish. So how about you catch a bunch more for everybody, and then we can all eat? Mm-hmm. And so I, I like the fact that it has become, it has turned from like, oh, we're, uh, we're fucking with you to like, you guys are actually very useful to us. Um, so anyway, also in the truck is Nick. Yeah. (laughs) Hi, fellow prisoners. Where are we going? And I I come from Japan. Yeah. Oh, he's the worst. And so they're all out on the ice. And then they kind of surround Nick in a sort of semicircle and are taking these like ice picks and jamming them into the ice because Duncan- the ice is going to break. Oh, I knew you were going to do it. Oh, that makes for me some so some reason. Much. My ice is going to break. They have started to deviate towards Bernie Sanders for some reason, for no explicable reason at all. The richest 1% <laughs> don't want you to have unbroken ice. <laughs> What I'm talking about is a revolution where everyone has ice. <laughs> oh dear, which is in stark contrast to his actual policy, which is to disband ice. So there we go. Interesting. That's why this show is so good, Duncan, because it's political and it's timely. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, anyway, Duncan. Anyway, um, so they're asking Nick, do you believe in Bakemoto? And mm-hmm. Nick is like, there's no such thing. And then they slam down the picks again and, and keep asking like, you know, 
So <laughs> have a boat <bird> too. <laughs> yeah. So that sounds exactly like what a ghost would say. <laughs> and finally he confesses that he's not a ghost. He's with the Department of Justice and is a plant there uh, to try to catch spies. Yeah, he's not a ghost. He's just a really naughty boy. Yeah, and he reveals, like, they find out that they're in North Dakota, which they didn't know before. And then once they've gotten that information out of them, they just leave them on the cracking eyes and are like, see you later, dumbass. And uh, uh, Henry says, if there are spirits here... I hope they're kinder to you than you have been to us. Mm-hmm. Ugh. Nice. Right. Nice burn, Henry. Yeah. And... There's another sort of, like, between Henry and his wife, the sort of parents that you would never want to be a smart ass around at all, ever. <laughs> right. Well, which is why they probably give Chester such shit, because Chester's a little puss. <laughs> but in fairness, you're growing up in that household... You know what I mean? Like, nothing you do will ever make them happy. Right. So why do anything at all, yeah, I guess? Everything yeah, everything is disappointment. No wonder you're a photographer who can only take bloody photos. Right, yeah. These look like ghosts. All these <laughs> pictures look like ghost pictures. Why did you take so many pictures of Tom Waits? <laughs> I can't be captured by... Modern photography. <laughs> Only captured by one of those long exposure ones with the, the flash that's held separately. <laughs> yeah. It can smoke for 10 minutes. Daguerreotype is the only way to get an accurate representation. <laughs> I also appear to hobos and unwed mothers. <laughs> Well, I sing a ballad. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, so Chester and his pal are are just kind of chit-chatting about why Luz came along. And he's like, well, you know, she's she wanted to, for one thing. And uh, she's got my Japanese baby in her. uh, Yeah, I got a Japanese bun in that oven. Yeah. And uh, then uh, Yoshida, Mr. Yoshida, the elder, sees Yuko in a stall. And he he starts calling for Chester. And he's like, Chester, you have to go. And then suddenly Yoshida gets thrown by an invisible force. Yep. And he he gets up, walks over to a guard, punches him right in the fucking puss. Right in the puss. Right in the puss. And grabs a gun. (laughs) It's got a gun! Right. Because that's literally what happens. Here. It, it is like he 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 takes the gun and just starts marching towards some some soldiers, and they're like, "Put it down, man! Put it down!" And he doesn't, and they shoot him up. You know, like they they put him down. Yep, they fill him full of lead. <laughs> All right, kappa. And <laughs> Chester runs over to him like everybody rushes over to try to help him, and but he's he's well past helping at this point. But the last words of the elder Mr. Yoshida is telling Chester, go. Mm. And then we see Yuko neck cracking, (laughs) (laughs) sitting in her stall, and there's blood running down from her scalp. Mm -hmm. So Luz is asking Chester, like, why why do you think... He, he did this. Why do you think he killed him? Uh, he picked up a gun and, and essentially committed suicide by military guard. 
And uh, and Chester's like, I don't know. I mean, I've, he's never done anything like this ever in his life that I've known him. Mm-hmm. And then Chester goes to see if he can help Amy, who is obviously upset. And Miss Yoshida is like, you get your cursed ass right out of here. <laughs> She's like, you you are poison. And it's already you already killed my husband. So you are not taking anything else from our family. You get out of here. And even Walt, like his buddy Walt Yoshida, is like, yeah, man, you should probably go. And as he's leaving, Miss Yoshida is like, a great evil surrounds you. And he's like, I got it. Shit. I'm I'm fucking going. Yeah. I'm leaving, you assholes. And then uh, the the last uh, scene of of the episode is a bunch of buses show up. And they're now being moved yet again from the racetrack where they are told, again, like, you got two, two suitcases you can carry. Get on this bus. And, um... Miss Yoshida is carrying the urn with her husband in it. Mm-hmm. Amy is trying to ca- carry four suitcases because she's got her father's stuff. And they're like, hey, hey, two bags, lady. And she's like, yeah, but two of these are from my father who you murdered recently. Yeah, who you murdered. Yeah. And they're like, don't care. You know, rules are ru- rules is rules. And <laughs> so she has to leave her father's belongings there just in the dirt. And then they travel by bus to uh, and we get our first glimpse of the like internment camp proper. Yep. Uh, where we are going to be spending, I expect the the bulk of the rest of the show. I would imagine so. When it's in Oregon, Oregon, and it is uh, the end of of episode two. They're end of mm-hmm. uh, the the pair of of episodes beginning uh, the terror infamy and. Duncan, yes. What did you make of the first two episodes of uh, of of the Terror Infamous? Uh, <laughs> um, so unlike the the first season of the Terror, in the case of this one, we are getting a lot flung at us at the start. Uh, I'm kind of hoping, like, kind of pace wise, now that we've got to the internment camp thing things kind of calm down a little bit and we spend a bit more time really exploring the spooky side of the vengeance ghost. Uh, but yeah, I, I like what we've set up with some really good characters here. It's shot beautifully. Um, and I kind of like where the story's going. I know they have to race through quite a bit to get us to where we are, but I personally felt the first two episodes felt just a bit too uh, kind of rushed. But then again, I'm comparing it to season one of The Terror, which is a completely different beast entirely, which was relying on that kind of we're on a long voyage here that is going to ultimately end with us being stranded. So, you know, it's it's unfair to compare, you know, apples and oranges. But at the same time, yeah, a lot of what it's doing here, I love love the fact that we're really starting to dig into kind of Japanese kind of spirit vengeance side of things. That's what I really hope they do more of. And uh, Yoko as a kind of, or Yuko as a, as a kind of villain in this, this show thus far is proving to be quite interesting. Although I, from the, on the next episode, kind of clip that played at the end, um, it seems like we are going to get some spooky, creepy shit and I applaud it. What about yourself? You know, the, I I really enjoy it. I think you're right that it's been quick, mm-hmm. um, but I think 
it, it's interesting because we start before Pearl Harbor, and by the end of the second episode, we're in the internment camps. Yeah. Um, I think it's done a reasonably good job of of establishing the character of Chester and Luz, and especially his uh, Chester's parents, like Henry and uh, Miss Nakayama, Asko Nakayama, uh, are the coolest characters of the show so far. Oh yeah, MVPs for sure, and I really like Takai's character as well. I think he's he's adding like he he's in a weird way is kind of directing this, but even though the the mother is very much of the you know, it's it's a spirit. He's kind of given us a bit more context to it, which I really enjoy. Yeah, and I think the other thing this show does that is admirable is a lot of movies prior to this have tried to capture that J-horror feel. Yeah. And I think this actually gets it mostly right. I would uh, agree with that. And and that's impressive. Uh, I, I I think that's very cool. Um, yeah, there. You know what? There's a whiff of in this. Uh, just an air, a hint, a sousant, Um is a ghost story. And, yes. And, yeah. And I think that's kind of ultimately where we're headed. Where I think a lot of these families are going to have some. The the commonality, of course, is going to be Yuko. That all of the men in this will have done something horrible. Uh, to Yuko yeah. uh, is my belief what, somehow or another. And at the end of the day, you know, like the fact that Chester is somehow the, the one who's in danger, maybe Chester is uh Yuko's son. Ooh. Interesting. So we're just like, swinging out there a theory at the beginning. It's been a while since we had a theory. I was going with more people, but uh, I mean, <laughs> Potentially, but, uh, yeah, I think that, uh, I think that could be a thing. And anyway, but I'm, I'm kind of into it. I think, uh, as I said, I think George Takei is great. I think, uh, the guy who plays, um, Mr. and Mrs. Nakayama are both great. Chester's fine. Derek Mio is the, the guy playing, uh, Chester and he's kind of fine. I, I think he's a bit hamstrung by the fact that Chester is, you know, very much intentionally, kind of a shitty character for the first part of this. Yeah. And I'll be curious to see him come more into his own. Yeah. Um but yeah, I'm I mean I'm definitely down with it. I I think it's it's I don't know that I have the same excitement that I did about the first season. <sighs> Yeah, I, I, I don't know if that's necessarily, I mean, as to me, it's just as equally an interesting setting. But like I say, that first season had a deliberateness about how it was pacing the story out, where I just felt like these first two episodes were like, right, here's some characters. This is the context we need to do in order to get them in an internment camp. And oh, yes, yeah, spooky shit's happening. Um, and I feel that, I mean, we've still got eight episodes to go. I feel that now that we're there and we have eight episodes to play around with, things are really going to slow down and we're going to get a bit of the mystery. We're going to get a bit of the intrigue and we're going to get a bit of the horror. And that's what I want. I think that's where the show will shine. Um, it, it just, the same as you, like when I consider those first two episodes of season one, you know, the ships I don't even think had run into issues it was still just like like kind of crew politics so you know it, it would it, if anything it was doing the reverse of this where it was really laboring the the, the idea of of set and theme and 
character development where I feel this one is like really just trying to get us to the place that we need to be. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot to mind here. Time will tell. I mean, that, like we said it before, like it is unlikely, and I've I've tempered expectation coming out of this. That is going to be see if this show's half as good as the first season. I will be happy because uh, that first season is a cut above the rest. Yeah, I, I can agree with all that. Uh, like, I'm still having a great time with it. And like I said, I, I this is right up my alley. Um, it's just, you know, there's not a Jared Harris there to come in and just be like, everyone pay attention now. <laughs> I'm going to be amazing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so good. Yeah, he, I mean, he is. He is, he is the living best. Um, a national treasure, some would say. Uh, so Duncan, there endeth uh, episode one of Duncan and Bo get terrified. Uh, I'm excited about the rest of the season, but before now and next week, when we'll be talking about two more episodes, um, where can people uh, find you if they want to hear more non the terror related uh, shenanigans? They can check me out on podcasts under the stairs, tputzcast.com or facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash tputzcast. That all sounds made up. Um, you can also uh, find more out of me at legionpodcasts.com, uh, where you can find this show uh, as well as many others, uh, some of which I'm on, some of which have nothing to do with me, and they're all great. So uh, check out a bunch of the shows over there. Uh, please uh, make sure that you are rating and reviewing this show if you are a longtime listener. Uh, you know, just stop off on iTunes, throw some stars on there. It really helps a lot. And uh, I think that's it. I think that's everything that people need to do. That all the homework. Yeah, that really is the only thing that you need to do if you're a listener of this show. Uh, just uh, rate and review every now and again. Don't be an asshole. You know. Yes. Don't don't be a stan. Don't. Well, you saw what happened to Stan. Nothing good will happen if you're a stan. Well, it, it's like the old saying, Duncan. Don't leave a review. End up in a net. <laughs> I tell you right now, if you don't leave a review, me and Bo won't cut your tie to save you from the tinning factory accident. No. And even if you do leave a review, it's really a, a, a coin flip. Um, <laughs> depends on when you catch us, quite frankly. But hey, folks, thanks so much for listening. Uh, and, and, you know, uh, much like uh, Japanese spies. If you know someone looking for an entertaining podcast, if you see something, say something. Um, and we'll be back in a week to talk more. Uh, Duncan and Bo get terrified. Uh, say goodnight, Duncan. Goodnight, Duncan. Ah.
Yeah. 